You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we learn all about ourselves through endurance sports and then also try to make a life worth trying. All right, on today's show, we have an interview, two interviews actually, with Darby Roberts and Mike Dirksen. And Darby Roberts won Ironman Wales on 100 calories per hour. She won the female pro division on 100 calories per hour using a slow-carb fuel and also a uh, fat-enhanced metabolizing uh, high-fat diet throughout her um, daily life. And it's an amazing interview. Uh, I really dig deep trying to figure out how she does it. Because uh, some people can pull this off, and if we can uh, analyze and figure out how it works, then a whole lot of us that want to do that can do it as well. And then uh, Mike Dirksen, I used to coach him, and he called me up uh, asking for tips on his big, his first big open water swim in a long while. And uh, I, before he called, I just knew I wanted to record it because uh, we've gotten to be friends and. He's um, he's just really fun to talk to, and we get along really well. So I knew that when we talked, it would be worth sharing with everybody else. And he said, sure, and ends up being a really funny conversation. So we got those two interviews in one episode. And it's been a little while since I put out a show, and I'll tell you why uh, in a little bit. Got some interesting stuff going on. But before we get to those interviews, we need to do the triathlon news. There has been a ton of stuff as we're approaching Kona and as there was two different major expos with gear, we have a ton of stuff out there that we need to cover. So, all right, let's go ahead and start with the triathlon news. Here we go. All right, we'll start off with one of the biggest things first, and it's from Cervelo, big bike manufacturer, and it looks like they've come out with a beam bike. As of this recording, it's still yet to be released, but there's spy photos. Some pros ride uh, futuristic bikes around Kona getting ready for the race, and uh, people snap pictures of it as it's happening and uh, post them post them to Instagram, and you can start getting an idea of what's happening out there. And it's pretty crazy when you start trying to figure out what's going on. But there's a, um, a new Cervelo bike, and it's a beam bike. And the beam means that there's no seat post. So it's kind of like a flying V from the fork, from the front end. The um, There's a top tube that the seat post goes into, but then there's nothing connecting the back of the top tube to the uh, to the drivetrain, to the bottom bracket down at the bottom. And there really doesn't need to be with carbon fiber these days. And um, these have come and gone. There was a soft ride. I think Titan Flex was another one. Um, they're, they're pretty cool. They give a little bit softer ride under the butt because they can flex just the tiniest bit. And a lot of people like that. And um, also there's possibly some aerodynamic advantages. Uh, there's no seat stays. And that's where it comes up from the rear axle 
on either side and attaches to the, uh, what I think they call it the seat post assembly, which is, um, you know, kind of like the seat tube area. And since there is no seat tube, there's nothing to come up. And it's uh, the bike is really pretty. And along with that, it has disc brakes and the frame hugs the front wheel. And that is very interesting because no mass-produced bike that I can think of has actually done that. And in that area that's hugging the front wheel, it's, um, there's a, a carbon, well, it's all carbon, but there's a, a storage box that you can pop open and put stuff. So, like, not stuff you want while you're riding, but stuff you, like, if you have to work on your bike because you come to a stop anyway, you can pop open that box, like spare tubes and stuff like that. And maybe a, um Allen wrench set you can keep in there. So that's pretty cool. And that bike was released just days after the uh, Diamondback Andean came out. And the Diamondback Andean is almost exactly the same bike. It is no seat stays, disc brakes, the... Um, the down tube towards the front of the frame drops and hugs the front wheel. So it's, it looks like a Ducati uh, GP uh, motorcycle, racing motorcycle. It is really cool looking. The only difference is this one has um, a seat tube. So it's not a beam bike. The, uh, the seat tube actually, the seat post goes down and connects to the seat tube area, and the seat tube goes all the way to the frame, uh, to the bottom bracket. And that's really the only difference. Um, Diamondbacks were huge when I was a kid doing BMX, and they're getting back into the uh, the top end bike game. And Cervelo's been in the top end bike game, so it's really confusing right now, like what to do. <laughs> and there's a huge debate on whether disc brakes are actually uh, useful for triathlon bikes. And I would say, you know, you're doing um, on flat ground. Let's say you're riding around Houston. Galveston, you're doing the Galveston race. You probably don't need disc brakes. Uh, once you start getting uh, bigger hills uh, with sharp turns and wet conditions, then uh, and you're riding carbon rims, which are notorious for not having as good of stopping power, yeah, then maybe disc brakes um, are nice. And you can actually uh, go faster with better brakes. And uh, there's a reason that Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all the top-end race cars have amazing brakes on them. It's because you can actually go faster if you know that you can stop. Uh, when things get sketchy, you have more you could, because you can stop faster. You you feel uh, more safe, and you'll actually go faster going into turns and such, and not have to scrub as much speed going in because you're not worried about it. And that's the theory, and it's been proven that actually bikes with disc brakes could be as fast or even faster. Definitely road bikes on um, hilly terrain are faster. But when you try to get all aero and these disc brake rotors are kind of out into the wind a little bit, it's uh, kind of debatable, and I guess we'll kind of have to see which way. There's, there's facts, and there's also what people want to buy. So we'll kind of see what um, ends up being the combination of the two that ends up selling over the next few years. All right, let's see. Lance Armstrong has a podcast. I have not listened to an episode yet, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. You can go check that out. Uh, Chattanooga, Ironman Chattanooga, was an absolutely bizarre race in that Chattanooga, East Tennessee, usually has pretty moderate 
to mild environment. It can get pretty hot out there and humid, really humid. And it did for Ironman Chattanooga. They had a 26% DNF rate, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. And there's theories that that's actually because Ironman is, there's no qualifier to do an Ironman, and Ironman is putting on more and more races, so they're trying to get people to do one. I'm always in shock when they're like, who's out here for their very first Ironman? And, you know, people cheer because you got to do one as your first one, right? And then they're like, who's never done an, a triathlon before? And a whole bunch of people cheer, and you're like, dude, what are you doing out here if you've never done a triathlon? I would think that there would be like you have to do two half Ironmans and finish before you would do an Ironman, and that would keep this DNF rate down. That way people know what they're getting into. But, um, yeah, that was really interesting. That's a really high DNF rate, 26%. And what's cool is we had a listener do it as his first ever Ironman, and people that did this race said that they are just blown away with how difficult it was. It was, uh, And this guy, it was his first race. And doing a race, you have no choice. You don't know it's going to be uh, that hard going into it when it's a weather thing. So the fact that this guy finished is absolutely crazy. He finished one of these hardest Ironmans out there because of the um, the weather. And uh, he's his intra listener. So let's read this email real quick. He said, hey, hey Coach Brett, <clears throat> exclamation point. I'm lucky enough to be one of the finishers from this year's (laughs) Ironman Chattanooga, my first full Ironman. And I'm also a four-plus-year loyal Zentriad listener. I've still got post-Ironman ADD exhaustion, but I wanted to drop you a note thanking you for a couple of the many things I've learned from Zentriad that helped me Sunday. The first is the idea you've mentioned of standing on a stump and trying to stay balanced while triathlon variables try to push you this way and that and pull you over. And, yeah, I've mentioned that um, a bunch of times. Oh, I haven't done that in a while. Um, there's so much. The, the whole thing about Ironman is it's death by a 1,000 cuts. And what that means is um, if you go out and do a 5K, you pretty much run it. Very little can go wrong in a 5K. You can't even get sick because it's not uh, long enough and an Ironman 50% of the race is surviving um, things going wrong constantly and having a plan B plan C plan D Uh, you you need to know how to change a tire you need to know how to fix a chain maybe you need to know how to replace a wheel you need to know how to fix your handlebars if they come loose you need to know how to overcome a bonk you need to know um, if you wreck you know, like how to clean yourself up and, and keep going. If it's safe to keep going, uh, you need to know how to hydrate enough, how to eat enough. And uh, it's just on and on and on and on. How not to get sunburned all day. Um, it's really, really difficult. And so there's all these things pulling and pushing you all, all these different directions, and you need to stay centered. And it's a lot like st- standing on a stump. And when um, something pushes you, don't fall over. Just kind of go with the lean a little bit and then come back to center. It pushes you from another direction. You go lean a little bit and then come back to center and just keep going. So he said, um, the mental image helped me stay aware of what was going on, which in turn helped me adapt early enough to not get too far behind any curve. Racers really started dropping around the bike's 70-mile mark. Many miles before this point, I had realized the day was going to be more of a grind than a race. I've had that where you're just like, oh, 
I guess I'm just going to survive this one. Holy crap. I think when I was talking about Whistler, when a guy started flying by me on the bike on the downhills at almost twice the speed I was going, and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to qualify for anything during this race. This is insane um, compared to these guys. So I made the appropriate adjustments and was able to keep on cruising. Another biggie was bonk management. The whole day was bonk fraught. But you have shared so many experiences and solutions over the years that I didn't run into any problems that I couldn't manage with the try tools already in my mental kit. Okay, so when he's talking about that, you can overcome a uh, bonk from uh, not enough fueling by just waiting it out. Um, Your body will kind of switch over in the fat burning temporarily and more of it for the longer term. Um, It takes about 20 minutes. You can just kind of walk or coast and then you'll feel better in a little while. And if, as if you're not eating enough, but you need to pick up what you're eating a little bit and then, but not too much, too fast, or else you'll get sick. But on the other hand, uh, if you get dehydrated, you're kind of screwed. So just whatever you do, don't get dehydrated. All right. Back to his email. Uh, this was supposed to be an easy zone to 14 ish hour race. It turned into a very challenging 1550 with a 26% DNF rate. Your podcast helped me get to get to be one of the finishers, and I can't thank you enough for all you've shared. I've got a lot more I'd like to share, but I'll have to write again when I can keep my train of thought for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> Thanks again, Mark Webb. And, uh, yeah, this email's great because Mark has definitely been a longtime listener, and he's a supporter of the show. And I'm stoked to see that he actually finished his first Ironman, and it was Chattanooga, which is crazy, this year. They sell the race. They advertise it as uh, kind of a mildish conditions, you know, nice uh, race. So you just got unlucky, dude. And, you know, just kind of have to go with the flow and maybe pick a – I would do Chattanooga again. I mean, you just got bad luck with the weather. All right, Brownlees uh, throwing each other over the finish line. Okay, so the Brownlee brothers are big in ITU Olympic distance racing, and they're always one-two all the time, and it's uh, they're not twins. One is a little bit older than the other. And the uh, younger one was, um, I think he had heat. He was starting to have heat exhaustion or heat stroke and was stumbling around just a 100 yards or so from the finish line and was, I mean, he looked like hell. You could tell he couldn't tell where he was anymore, but just from all of his training, all the racing that he's done, he was just kind of wandering towards the finish line trying to run. His legs were buckling under him, and he was kind of drifting pretty badly and his younger or his older brother came up behind him grabbed him and threw his arm over his shoulder and dragged not really dragged him but ran with him uh to the finish line and uh threw him across the finish line in front of him maybe and then uh you could kind of tell he was like saying like you idiot (laughs) what are you doing going so hard and not drinking enough that you uh you did that and uh I tweeted the link to that video saying that is the most older brother thing I think I've ever seen. A a brother, an older brother, because I've got one, will look out for you and make sure you're okay and save your ass, but will call you an idiot the entire time that he's doing it. (laughs) So it brought back many memories of me doing stuff with my older brother. So that's a pretty cool um, story. There's a little bit of debate on, you know, was it outside assistance? And there's actually technically nothing in the rule book that says another athlete can't help you during the run. Especially uh, the older Brownlee was saying that uh, I was just trying to get him to the finish line because that was a medical emergency and uh, he needed help now. 
And you can watch the video and kind of see that, yeah, that's, that could be the case. All right, uh, there is something that's super cool coming out on Kickstarter, and it is the LVL level, and it's a hydration monitor. This is massive if it succeeds. The technology looks like it should be there, um, and they've got plenty of funding. A lot of people can see a value in this. And what it does is just like these, um, you can get a heart rate monitor now that uses, uh, maybe it's green laser, to shoot into your uh, skin, and it can see your pulse. The new iPhone um, operating system, if you do the, uh, if you do the text messaging, uh, where it's the um, kind of like uh, where you can send your heart, like lips, like a kiss or something like that, um, or a heartbeat, um, you touch your two fingers to the screen of your phone. I think it's reading your pulse through the screen of your phone by shining light into your um, into your fingers, maybe. Uh, well, anyway, that technology's been around for a long time. Well, they're using the same technology to um, read your hydration level through your skin. And so you wear it around your wrist. It looks kind of like a Fitbit. And if this thing is accurate, within a percentage or two, this is huge, absolutely huge, because Iron Man is notorious for our races being crazy hot and people getting dehydrated. So the World Championships in Hawaii, Iron Man Texas, this Chattanooga race, um, people getting dehydrated. And once you lose four, three to 5% of your uh, hydration, of your body weight and, um, from dehydration, you are a mess. It's absolutely terrible. So what if you had something? that was reading out your hydration level, and also for recovery and everything. But I'm talking about race day on longer events. This is a major, major game changer. So if this thing actually works and it gets good reviews, I'm definitely going to get one. That's huge. Uh, Duke University did uh, a research study and thinks they found the source of swim deaths in, in uh, let's say, Ironman and uh, other races. And what happens is people... Uh, a few people, a small percentage of people, get an enlarged heart chamber from doing hard athletic events. So let's say they do a lot of intervals or something like that. Uh, and it's, it's not everybody. It's just, you know, like a few people get this. And so they've got their pump, their heart chamber uh, pumping action is actually stronger than probably it needs to be. And then... When they get in cold water and they start accelerating effort, the combination of the two, uh, being cold sends your blood to the core of your body. And so that's more towards your chest and towards your lungs uh, to keep you warm, to keep your internal organs warm. And then also um, taking off fast in the start of a swim um, your heart accelerates its pumping uh, fast, and then that pumping action, if you've got an enlarged um, heart chamber, uh, is more than normal. So now, basically, it's sending a ton of fluid to the, the center of your body. And somehow, what this does is it puts pressure on your lungs, and the fluid leaks through the membranes of your lungs... And then you end up with water, essentially you end up with fluid, inside your lungs, and they call it drowning from the inside out. 
And this would explain the, um, the, the weirdness where people are drowning during the start of, say, an Ironman during the swim, and they're, like, really fit, and they're good swimmers, and uh, there's no ex- explanation for it. So, uh, you know, why would they drown? It just doesn't make sense. Well, this would totally make sense it, that uh, it was cold and you're athletic, <laughs> and that did it. Uh, for some people, I've actually had a heart scan done, and my heart uh, from that scan seemed to be normal. So I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not one of these people that has the enlarged chamber. But I would if I had that uh, the inclination to be that the genes to uh, get an overdeveloped heart chamber, I definitely would because I just love doing intervals and stuff like that. So you may fall in that camp too. So if you can, you might want to get your heart checked out to see if one of the chambers is. Uh, it's either bigger or the or the uh, walls are thicker, so it's like stronger or something like that. So you need to check that out. Anyway, that's Duke University. You can Google it. Uh, source of swim deaths. Okay, at one of the bike expos, we have FSA, Full Speed Ahead, has electronic shifting now. It's semi-wireless where the uh, shifters up to the uh, at the front of the bike are wireless to the... Um, to the rear derailleurs, uh, well, to the front derailleur and the rear derailleur, but uh, those are actually wired together uh, with a battery as well, probably in the C tube, I think. Uh, it's brand new. I haven't seen one in person. But so we, now we've got three, four, I don't know what, I'm trying to remember the brand that uh, kind of comes and goes sometimes, but I think it can't be kind of has a wireless one, but it's Shimano and. Um, SRAM with the ETAP are the big players in, uh, in the uh, wireless or electronic shifting game. Uh, Shimano's is not wireless, and that's what I have. But uh, ETAP is wireless, and um, this FSA is semi-wireless. So it's pretty cool. They all have their ups and downs. you got to kind of consider uh, what you want to do. But it's cool. When you have more of them, the prices will start coming down. I love my electronic shifting. It is the absolute coolest thing in the world. And... Um, Someday it'll be super cheap. So I bought it as like one of my big expenses uh, that I rarely do on on bike stuff. Um, you know, every few years. And um, but hopefully it'll come down where it's almost you know like a stock choice because it is that good. All right, uh, the new iPhone came out. It's waterproof, which is a big deal. If you haven't heard of that, then I don't know where you've been. Um, it seems to be pretty waterproof, and that's a big deal for me because I put my iPhone in the. Uh, in a Ziploc bag, like a snack size baggie, all the time when I go bike and run so I don't get it wet. So I've been looking forward to that. But then in the uh, the yin and yang of life, they uh, removed the headphone jack. <laughs> so it's like, God dang it. Cut it out. You know, make an improvement and don't don't mess with other stuff. All right, uh, head, HED head, uh, recalled uh, some rims that people need to know about. The Ardennis... I guess is how you say it. Um, Ardennis Black and the Jet Black rims have been recalled due to premature brake track track blah, wear that can lead to some hazardous uh, situations. So if you have those, um, you need to talk to your bike shop or talk to head. Let's see. Uh, Eurobike went down and just tons and tons of power meters coming out of there. DCRainmaker.com. Uh, the latest blog, blog post, as I'm sitting here right now, is a huge review of all the different power meters out there, including 
ones that haven't officially come out yet and what he thinks about those. And he's very uh, fair and unbiased and tells you like it is. That is his brand, is that he tells you how it is. <laughs> and uh, with that, you can actually um, choose which um, which uh, power meter is probably the best for you. If I had the money, I would get the uh, power tap pedals. But I'm not in that situation where I can get those yet because I have a power tap hub and I love the thing. It's absolutely great. So I love the brand. I love how they're very zen. They It just works. Very little um, uh, interference from you to get it to work. They're self-calibrating. You know, and It's just amazing. And so these pedals are a lot like that. Eh, battery life isn't all that great uh, compared to like the hub. But um, man, it's absolutely cool. And you just move it from bike to bike. Just swap pedals. So cool. And if you travel then you basically take your power meter with you and then you just throw it on any bike that you're riding, which is pretty cool. And I think that's all of the uh, industry news. Got a little um, home and personal stuff here. Let's see. I mentioned on the last podcast, uh, or the one before that, somebody was asking about which bottle cages to use behind the bike, and I suggested Bontrager RLs. And do not use those. <laughs> I've, I've been using them. Uh, I just kind of assumed they were going to work because they fit the bottle the best when I bought them. They launch bottles out of the back of my bike so fast, I cannot believe how fast. One mile in the rides, over and over and over again, things launch bottles out of them. Uh, now, on the frame, they work great. I uh, took the bottles off the back of my uh, bottle cages off the back of my bike and put them on my mountain bike. And, you know, mountain bike, you're banging around all over the place. And if anything's going to launch a bottle, it would be that. Well, no problem on a uh, on the frame. It's just behind the the seat. I tend to um, shoot them out, so I got to retract my my um, my advice to my yeah, my yeah, advice. I guess is what I would say uh, to use those and behind the seat. Uh, definitely on the bike is fine, but um, I had have some other bottle cages laying around that are awesome for behind the seat and they're kirin k-i-r-i-n and that's a style uh japanese fixed gear racing is called kirin racing k-i-r-i-n and if you google kirin bottle cages you'll see these bottle cages that are alloy and so that's like aluminum you know, just regular classic-looking bottle cages. And what's cool about that is you can push on them and make them smaller or bigger just by pushing on them. Uh, you're bending the metal just a little bit. And they have two buttons on them uh, that are like the size of a quarter each. And on that, that has kind of, we call it sticky, but it's rubber or silicone or whatever uh, on the inside of those buttons that provide traction to keep the bottle from slipping out and put my put that on the back of my bike started riding around with that i cannot seem to get a water bottle to launch out of those no matter what i hit railroad tracks everything so use those instead <laughs> of what i suggested but but the um i still got to give a plug to the bond trigger rls man they look great and i put them on other places on my bikes okay and got a little bit of um oh interesting stuff with training with uh, Kai. He, he has just turned 12. We've been mountain biking together. He freaked out when he saw a giant copperhead, which was hilarious. And 
we uh, he's trying to um, qualify for some something I forgot what it's called uh, in school where you can do a bunch of push-ups. And I said, oh, well, let's start doing push runs. And I've got the injured left arm, so I need to be doing some push-ups to try to recover my left arm. And so I've, I've started doing push runs again. And push runs is where you stop every mile and do a set of push-ups. For me, it's about 10. And by the time I've run an hour, I've done 60 push-ups. And that's a great way to uh, build uh, your upper body strength so that when you do trip and fall when you get older, you've got strength to stop yourself because you've been doing push-ups. They say that's actually huge. And you don't break your arm or your hip or your face like I did when I tripped and fell about a year ago, uh, nine months ago. Because actually I hadn't been doing push runs in a long time, and that probably did not help when I tripped and fell. <laughs> I couldn't catch myself. And also you can feel it when you swim that the, um, the, the strength in your upper body is like really, really nice. So it's uh, cool that Kai's running with me on occasion and seeing me do that. And then he gets down and does some push-ups with me as well. And the, uh, the other thing, I, there's, a, there's a Zen thing I wanted to talk about. I read people post stuff on Twitter where they, they, do like a, they do a photo of like a motivational quote. And I saw one that was actually, usually they're kind of cheesy. But this one was so good for us and the sport of triathlon and trying to figure out life. And the quote was something like, don't wait for motivation. It will never come or it won't come fast enough or well enough. Uh, motivation comes from doing the thing first. Then as you've succeeded doing it, then actually you want to keep doing it. And then that's the motivation right there. So waiting around for you to be motivated, you'll never, ever get there. Or it'll be just such a long time that, you know, ugh. but if you get st- go ahead and get started doing the thing that you don't, you want to do it, but you're just not motivated enough to get moving on it, start moving, getting, doing it. And what, what's going on is your brain has um, neural pathways and it's uh, neurons that wire together, fire together. So it's like a trail through the woods or through a field. Uh, or through the grass, if you if you're walking, if you've never walked across it, there's no trail. It's kind of tough going the first time. There, that's why it's difficult to start doing the thing that you want to do, uh, because that you need to do, and because there's no trail yet. But you walk across the field a few times, a trail starts to develop. Then it's actually pretty easy because it's smoother through the rough, uh, through that one path, and that's actually your brain works the exact same way. Um, Let's say, you know, you want to start the habit of getting up early in the morning uh, to go run Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Don't wait for the motivation. Just do it the first time, regardless of how you feel. And then the next time, it'll actually be a lot easier and you won't need the motivation so much. So I wanted to share that with you, a little bit of, a little bit of zen insight right there. And also, uh, we were speaking about Kai earlier. I told him the, the trick. He was upset about something. I don't know. And I said, I want you to notice something. Um, oh, and like a little while later, I said, hey, are you notice how you're laughing? And he said, yeah. I go, weren't you mad just a little while ago? And he thought about it. He goes, yeah, I guess so. And I said, emotions only last 45 seconds, good or bad, sad, happy, uh, love, hate, you know, whatever. They only last about 45 seconds. And 
don't believe your feelings. If you're, if you're upset about something or you're just over the moon about something, don't trust yourself or, or you know, um, that it's going to last forever. So when you're really, really mad but you're not getting what you want, then um, say, okay, I'm going to be mad. And I'm going to count to 45. <laughs> and uh, it'll be gone. And just go do something else, and then you won't be anywhere near as mad bef- as you were before. It's a scientific fact. They tend to last on average 45 seconds. It's really cool. So don't get caught up in things. All right. Let's go ahead and get started with our uh, interview. But uh, before we do, I want to give a plug to Living Fuel. Livingfuel.com. I'm actually at a computer right now. Let's pull it up. Livingfuel.com. L-I-V-I-N-G-F-U-E-L. Ooh, look, it starts trying to auto-populate with supergreens.com. Bam. Uh, oh, there's a nice video of berries. And a, fly, a plane flying overhead. That's great. Anyway, uh, there's a longtime sponsor of the show. Uh, my favorite stuff is the uh, Super Greens. And also they have um, other kind of like smoothie-ish kind of drinks. And oh my gosh, the Coco Chia um, bars and the uh, Coco Chia uh, snack packs are so freaking good. And also um, they've got... Um, uh, omega omega oils and amino acids for like adding protein into your stuff. All of it is crazy, crazy healthy, super good. I've got the um, vanilla banana protein. I'm I'm trying to uh, pull up the description. I got it sitting right right here inside uh, inside of me, next to me, but here on the webpage. You gotta go check it out. Livingfuel.com. Uh, their protein is super tasty. Uh, 21 grams of protein per serving, are you kidding me? And 6 grams of fiber, probiotics, prebiotics, enzymes, all kinds of good stuff. And um, let's see, is it vegan? I'm trying to remember. People with whey, soy, or dairy allergies, uh, clean from that. It's pretty cool. Athletes, competitive athletes and weekend warriors are bombarded with unhealthy protein choices. Living Protein provides a healthy, safe alternative before, during, and after competition. Oh, if you uh, have hypo- hypoglycemia or you're diabetic, it helps you maintain your uh, blood sugar levels. Protein does that. It's pretty good stuff. Anyway, I want to give a shout-out to Living Fuel. Go check them out and uh, go to their website and check out all their stuff. And let's see. Let's go ahead and get started with Darby. So I've been working with uh, UCAN for gosh quite a while i've been using it off and on for years and uh, because it's like a super 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 slow carb and we talk about it plenty during the interview um but the the interesting thing is is because it doesn't spike your blood sugar uh you can get it you can um uh, it allows you your body to actually access fat because if you spike your blood sugar your body goes oh we need more carbs more carbs more carbs because that's what we're doing right now. And if you do a slow drip of carbs, then uh, your body goes, well, I better supplement this with body fat instead. And then you never get the, um, the bonkage and all that other crap. Because it, and it takes a while to train yourself to be able to do this. And you, um, you should you know, like change your daily diet as well and stuff. 
But anyway, I've been dealing with uh, UCAN and working with them for a long time. And out of the blue, um, somebody with UCAN emailed me and said, holy crap, you got to check this out. you got to interview Darby Roberts if you can. Can you interview her? Because this is amazing. And I was like, oh, what, what happened? What's going on? And, and uh, the email uh, said that she won Ironman Wales female pro division on using UCAN as fuel and the um, on around 100 calories per hour. And the cool thing about that, it's not, it's not to um, starve yourself. The whole point is, is when you're, when you're like that, then you're, you don't risk uh, stomach upset from, you know, too much sugar. And then also you're, um, you're burning body fat, which is a clean fuel, which just seems limitless once you kind of learn how to do it. And it's kind of like training, training for an Ironman, right? It takes a while. And this uh, getting away from all the sugary stuff takes a while too. And the other fascinating thing is Darby is, I think she said, is, is an assistant dean at Columbia and uh, works a full-time job. And so she's kind of like a part-time triathlete. And she won a full Ironman, one of the hardest ones out there. And she passed the uh, person uh, for the win in the last mile as that person was slowing down and Darby was was just keeping on chugging 10 hours in keeping on chugging no problem uh just uh just running along running off of of uh, 100 calories per hour and body fat <laughs> and it's just absolutely amazing and so my whole point about her being an assistant dean is this is not somebody that is just doing this and doesn't know what they're doing. This is a very intelligent, educated person who's been around the world, as we'll learn about in the interview. And and also, she doesn't have anything to sell or anything like that. So she was just doing this and kind of happened across it by accident and started doing it and just started working for her. So just a real honest, great interview with her. And if you go and search Darby Roberts, D-A-R-B-I, Darby Roberts, uh, Wales, and do a Google search, and you look at the uh, images that come back. <laughs> the first, the top images is of her crossing the finish line, and the look on her face when she won, and is just the most, one of the most happiest people I've ever seen in my entire life. So that's really cool, and we have her here. We have her here on the show. So let's go ahead and get started with Darby Roberts, winner of Ironman Wales. Let's rock. Welcome to the next level. Hello? Hey, Darby, can you hear me? I can hear you, Brett. How are you? All right. And you're based out of Texas, is that right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. You ever been down We're- here? Uh, you know, f- uh, little known fact, I was born in Dallas. No um, way, cool. Yeah, I don't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we moved when I was four, so it was a long time ago. And I, I did Ironman Texas back in May. Mm-hmm. Not uh, not a good day for me. But no. um, I've, so I've, I'm, I'm a little, I'm somewhat familiar with Texas. Yeah, so, so I, yeah, let's, let's talk about um, Ironman Texas back then. Uh, so it wasn't a good day for a lot of people. That was yeah. like the worst race ever. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, it was actually it was like the opposite um, mm-hmm. to how Ironman uh, Wales unfolded. Yeah, um, I had been so this is and this is 
you, we talked about it a little over email, but, um, so I just, I, I work full time mm-hmm. and this past spring I was actually finishing my doctoral degree. Um, and so I thought that it would be a great idea to try to fit into Ironman's in <laughs> <laughs> a marathon between, right. um, April and May, uh, which, didn't go very well because I spent most of my spring writing my dissertation and not mm. putting in nearly as much time uh, into training right. and just focus and stress and, and all that sort of stuff because, you know, fitting training on top of a nine-to-five work day on top of writing a dissertation on top of coaching people was turned out to be uh, kind of my limit in terms of what I could sort of handle. I've, yeah. I, I, I have pretty good pretty good uh time management skills but i think that was that was the most i've ever had to deal with and i was my body and my my brain were just completely exhausted and so my fitness just wasn't there and i think come race day i was overworked and exhausted i had i defended at the end of april and still was in the process of making edits and that sort of stuff anyway so the day came the swim was fine um you know, on the bike, it was, just, I, I like had told myself I was going to hang out with, um, like try to hang out with a couple of other women. And I ended up finding myself near Kelly Williamson who, you know, I was oh, thinking, yeah. Oh, well she's, yeah. she's, she's good. She's won in the past. She's, you know, it was her and someone else. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had been passed by like a ton of people and I was thinking to myself, mm, this isn't good because, you know, I knew my running fitness wasn't awesome at that point, And I was concerned about getting off the bike. So, so far back from all of the other people because I was afraid I wasn't going to really be able to make any moves on the run. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, it's either now or never. So kind of at mile, because I think it was a 96, 95 mile course uh-huh. at mile 80, I was like, okay, well, I just, I need to make my move now. And this is just what I'm going to do. And I, and I had, and I had thought to myself like, uh Oh, what if Kelly Williamson is having a bad day too. And now I'm pacing myself off of Kelly Williamson. Who's like, you know, having a horrible day because, you know, you never know what other people are doing. Anyway, right. long story short, I cooked myself in the last, like, 15 miles um, and then got off um, on the run and was just dead, completely, completely destroyed um, and uh, ended up um, dropping out early on, uh, I guess about maybe five or six miles in, but it was just, you could tell that early on it wasn't going to go. Yeah. I mean, I was like, my throat was closing up. I was dizzy. I was like seeing spots in front of my eyes. I was, it was major heat exhaustion. And you know, it's, it's that, it's one of those things where it's kind of point of no return. Like once Mm -hmm. you've, once you're cooked, you're, you can't really ever come back from it unless you like stop. And then you're like, you know, sitting there for an hour waiting for your body to cool down. It's kind of like, well, what's the point at this point? So anyway, it was, it was not a good day. I, I was out that same morning and I live like an hour to the West of there. So it's the exact same conditions that you were in. And yeah. I did a uh, long bike ride. I was training for Army in Canada and I, I did uh-huh. a long bike ride and a brick run. And I was about an hour into that brick run and I started seeing spots and was just dizzy and like all over the place. Yeah. And it was the heat until until the storm came through. It was actually incredibly hot and humid. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I kind of we'll talk about it later. I kind of wanted to ask you about um, how you keep uh, fluid levels up and stuff doing um, doing the more fat adapted uh, because uh, my experience and from what I'm un- what I understand is is um, you got to work a little bit harder to keep your hydration up. 
because mm -hmm. of um, it, like that whole thing where people um, when people try to go to low carb, the first bit of weight that they lose is mostly water weight because mm. carbs hold on to water. Right. Uh, we get to that second. What do you What do you get in your uh, or what did you finish your PhD? What did you get it in? Yeah, it was in uh, international education development um, at uh, Teachers College, which is one of the school. It's one of the graduate schools at Columbia University. Mm. Um, and I, I work my my full time job is also at Columbia, but I don't yeah. work at Teachers College. I work in a different graduate school. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I work with um, the school is the School of International Public Affairs. But uh -huh. what I do is mainly student services and student affairs. Mm -hmm. um, which is like kind of a catch-all for the student experience, broadly writ. Um, mm -hmm. But we have about 50% international students and 50% domestic. So it's a good – it's an interesting group of students. A lot of them go into like development work. Right. Um, but uh, my specific – my dissertation was uh, is about uh, international higher education okay. and how um, universities – um, become more international in many different ways, like recruiting international students, mm -hmm. um, increasing language programs, partnerships, study abroad, um, all sorts of stuff. So Wow. Yeah, I had just learned about uh, American University in Iran. Is that what yeah. it is? Uh, there's an American University in Afghanistan, which was recently bombed, yeah. or um, there was a hostage situation there, I think. That might have been the I one, care. and the, the big surprise was people like me that didn't know about it. Um, yeah, were we were saying what? There's an, there's Americans going to the university there, and no, it's a university that's styled after the that's right the American method of ed upper education of sorts. I'm sure. Yeah, their perception. Of it yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, and a lot of people think it's – this is totally not triathlon-related, but a yeah. lot of people think that it's actually a branch campus of American University in, in Washington, D.C., but it's mm -hmm. not. It's exactly what you said. It is an American-style university, mm -hmm. and they have them all over the place. They have them all over the Middle East. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like an American University of Sharjah. There's one in Kuwait. Sharjah is one of the Emirates in the UAE. Mm -hmm. They have one in Kuwait. They have one in um, – Do I want to say they have one in Dubai. I think they have one in um, – I'm I'm drawing a blank, but I there's there's at least a, a dozen of them sort of scattered all over yeah. uh, Middle East and Central Asia. And and really the the reason they use the term American University is because people want an American style education because they automatically assume quality mm -hmm. along with an American name, which is not always the case, of course. But right. um, <laughs> well, I've been on the campus at Columbia just briefly walking through. Mm -hmm. I was visiting John Hirsch, who lives over there, near the, yeah, yeah. Near the campus. Yeah. And I um, uh, was walking through. That was really nice. Yeah, so, it's a yeah. gorgeous campus. And then where you are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm like a 10 – I live about a 10-minute walk from campus, so yeah. it's pretty close for me. I don't do the whole New York commuter thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not really my favorite thing to be squished into a metal tube um, hurtling at – you know, 50, 60 miles an hour um, no. on my morning commute. No, I don't like that either. I'm very yeah. big into being as close as where you need to be as possible. Yeah. For efficiency. So, yes. uh, speaking of efficiency, we are talking, uh, half a little, a lot about, um, metabolic efficiency and, and you can, because, uh, you can sent me an email and said, Hey, you have to talk to Darby, Dr. Darby now. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because um, she's been using UCAN and uh, and uh, she just won Ironman Wales, and I already knew that Wales was really hard. Yeah. And then I was reading up on it, and it's even harder. The bike course is even harder than Ironman Canada. I think I think it's like probably sixty six, sixty seven, sixty eight hundred feet of elevation gain. Mm. Um, and then uh, the conditions could be real iffy, you know. Right. And um, so this was like a killer, killer race. And so then I was I was looking you up, Darby, and. Um, and trying to get you know some background on you and and um, you know so I had good questions for the interview <laughs> and <laughs> where you come from you know and there was an yeah. interview with you on um, I guess it was on YouTube or something uh, about a year or so ago and you were interviewing uh, with one of the uh, uh, I guess Varn from yep. um, from UCAN and he was you know asking you how you were doing because you've done well in some races and mm-hmm. and you were a pro and and um, and it was so funny in that video. I don't know the last time you've seen that video, but you were like hoping to to win something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're like, well, good luck, you know. And, and I was like, yeah. she won. It was probably last uh, last November because I think yeah. um, Ironman Arizona last year was probably well before this past, you know, uh, before Wales was definitely my my best race, um, at, at, at that point I had gone, a, I just done a nine Oh five, um, wow. which got me fourth place. Um, so that was like super, that was super, super exciting. That was kind of, I would say that was a breakthrough race for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think that was probably, that was probably the, the podcast and or the webinar. How hard Ironman Wales is in comparison is nine Oh five got you fourth in that race. Uh, yeah. You got ten hours and just a few seconds at Wales, and that got you first. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's really, really hard. And yeah, because a lot of the stuff about um, about metabolic, well, about about trying to not eat as much sugar is well, you're going to need your sugar for um, for you know hard climbs and sprints and and stuff like that. Well, this bike course was insane. Yeah, in Wales, right? Am I am I yeah. right about that? I haven't been there. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty insane. There was there were several sections that it was impossible to get up the hill without standing. Wow, and not even just standing, like really wrenching on the pedals. Yeah, yeah, like wrenching the bike back and forth and yeah. really working. It. Yeah, and then the other thing is in the race review on I think I read about it on Slow Twitch. You you powered through and passed. For us, the the uh, the the lady in first, like uh, with like six miles or five or four miles left in the run, one mile actually. One mile. It was in the last mile. <laughs> it was in yeah, the last mile. You still had the energy to be passing people at the uh, at the very end. So I'm like, I'm totally all ears. I want to hear about this and how you're how you're training and like uh, how you're fueling and doing this stuff. And I'm I've got a cup of coffee with some avocado oil in it actually. Nice. <laughs> Um, because I found, have you ever tried avocado oil? I have. I cook with it. I cook with that and coconut oil a lot. Yeah. It doesn't taste like hardly anything. It's really, it's really pleasant. So, Mm -hmm. um, I got a cup of coffee in my hand and I'm here to, uh, listen. And, um, uh, the, one of my first questions is, um, uh, I believe I read somewhere that maybe you, you only took in like 
100 calories per hour or something crazy like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. And actually, it was less than that. I, I, my total calorie count was eight, uh, 880 um, plus like a shot of Coke at the end, yeah. uh, Coca-Cola. Um, but yeah, throughout <laughs> the, uh, so yeah, it was, and it was all, it was all you can. I didn't, yeah. I don't really consume anything other than that just because at this point I know I, I trust it and I know that my body can get through it on that amount of calories. I had a little bit of extra just stowed away in case I needed mm-hmm. some because I knew it was going to be a longer day, but um, yeah, I mean, I have, you know, I still have a breakfast in the morning, which that morning I think was like one packet of you can, which is about 130 calories. Mm-hmm. And then I had just like a nut and date bar. Yeah. Dates are a little bit higher in sugar, but, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things that day, I didn't think it was going to totally ruin me. I forgot mm-hmm. to bring my normal protein bars that I usually have. And then I had like some peanut butter on it or something like that. So my, my breakfast was probably, I don't know, 500, 600 calories. And I have that you know, solid two hours beforehand, but then, um, you know, swim as usual. I drink some water, you know, leading up to just before the race. Um, and then really on the bike, I have two bottles of, um, about five packets of you can, which, um, with when, if it's a non, if it's a non protein, uh, version of that, mm-hmm. that's 110 calories per packet. So it's about 550 calories. Yeah. Um, and I'll put it really concentrated into two different bottles. Um, and all I have to do is finish the first bottle by halfway mm-hmm. and finish the second bottle by the end. And it's super simple. And, I, you know, I, it's easy to sort of hit those targets. I usually take a sip about every five miles or so. That's so, what my watch – sorry, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Oh, no, and then, and so then on the, on the, so I do that on the bikes, that's 550 calories on the bike. And then on the run, I take three more packets of 110 calories each and sort of mix it super thick Mm -hmm. and stick it in two different, um, two different gel flasks. And then I have one of those in T2 that I'll grab and sort of sip on over the course of the first half. And then I've got the other one in special needs, um, that I'll pick up halfway and finish that one. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, I chose to have the, so the, the whales running course is a four loop course and it's Mm -hmm. basically three miles uphill out of town (laughs) and three miles downhill back into town. Um, and I knew at that point at, you know, on the way back in, I think I had maybe two miles left to go and there was an aid station right at the, at, you know, mile 24. And so, I, I think I knew that she was in front of me, but I wasn't sure, and I didn't know how fast I was gaining on first place. Mm-hmm. But just for a safe measure, I was like, you know what? I could use a little extra, extra go juice right now. So I just took a little, a little cup of Coca Cola. But really, it was just for the, for the caffeine. And in two miles, it's not going to do much to you anyway. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was placebo. But, um, but yeah, and that was that was pretty much it. So I mean, counting all that, the. Counting all that up, that's about 880 calories over 10 hours, which is even less. And I did the same thing for Arizona as well. So do, about, you, do you ever get hungry during the race? Not, not really. Um, Why not? Why do you think you don't get hungry? I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I mean, I do know. It's because, and it's because you know, my my blood sugars are stabilized not only by the UCAM, but the fact that, you know, what I put in my body on a daily basis, mm-hmm. generally speaking, keeps my blood sugar levels very, very steady and even. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, 
like it's to the point where even now, I mean, I feel bad for you, Cam, because I don't actually end up using a ton of their products when I train because <laughs> when you use I, don't right, even, yeah. I don't need to, Yeah, you know, I'll have like, they, they have, um, you know, if I'm going off on a super long ride, maybe I'll take a bottle you can, but they have bars as well. And so mm-hmm. usually I'll just grab one of the bars. Those are about 150 calories. And I might have like one of those on a 40, on a four hour ride yeah. and that's it. And the rest is just hydration because my, my body at this point, you know, burns so efficiently off of fat is fuel that I, I literally never get hungry and I might, you know, I'll get hungry afterwards, maybe later in the day, even, you know, the next day or something like that. But it's not, um, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking to myself, like, gosh, I really wish I had a sandwich right now, you know? Yeah, that's really, I, I know a lot of people identify with this. Um, if, if you have a good workout where you work out pretty hard, you're actually not hungry, Mm-mm. afterwards for a little while you know mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah i think if you could uh benefit from that you get that going during an iron man that those hormones that kind of turn off your hunger a little bit because you're mm-hmm. you're fine um yeah then you actually don't get hungry um so the um how did you get fat adapted or how what do you like to what do you like to call it i know there's different phrases for it. Um, we, uh, so my coach, um, Greg Close, who's also a UCAN athlete, um, mm-hmm. and he's the owner of Try by Three Performance Coaching, which is the, the company, the, or, the group that I coach for and tr- train with and mm-hmm. race for. Um, he's actually, um, he introduced me to this whole idea in the first place. And mm-hmm. that's because he works, he is coached by Bob Sibahar, um, mm-hmm. who's based out of, out of, um, I guess Boulder, um, or somewhere in Colorado, Colorado Springs. I'm not sure which one, but he's, he was, a he was a former nutritionist for the USAT, um, national team. And, um, actually was uh, very involved early on with with the development of UCAN because basically he knew de- UCAN was developed for a kid who had a metabolic disease. Right. Um, and, um, you know, they had to like wake him up every three hours at night so that he could actually eat food. Otherwise, his blood sugars would crash and he would die basically. And so mm-hmm. they developed this product for him as a medical response to his metabolic disease. And then Bob Sibahar was like, well, you need to market that because that's re- that's going to change, you know, that's going to revolutionize, you know, the um, triathlon nutrition. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so and and Bob has this whole organization and group that that does metabolic efficiency training and certifies people to help others figure out how to become metabolically efficient. My coach, Greg, is certified in that, and I've kind of it's it's mostly been so I. I spent a little bit of time learning from him on like, you know, here are the things that you need to eat and here are the things that you want to cut out. I read Bob's book. Um, and then from there, it was sort of a, a period. Of, it was just a process of trial and error. So I started by just cutting out grains, but I still ate like potatoes and I would eat a lot of starchy vegetables um, and uh, like beans and legumes and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I noticed – a, a solid change. I was like, okay, well this is, you know, it was going pretty well. And then, um, <clears throat> I think maybe a year later, I've, I've been doing this for about two, two and a half years. Um, right. oh, almost three years because I started it when I was, when I first went pro, um, which is the beginning of 2014. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, 
felt like it was going well, but kind of wanted to see if I could take it a step further. So then I cut out most starchy vegetables. I don't really eat potatoes. I'll, like I'll have some French fries every once in a while as a splurge sort of thing. Right. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's I I'll, I'll I'll substitute like turnips instead of potatoes because they're lower. They have a lower carbohydrate count. Right. Um, and still have a lot of the vitamins and that sort of stuff that you would get out of potatoes, like potassium and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I cut out was legumes, um, other than peanut butter, because I will never give up my peanut butter. But um, yeah, well, peanut butter is really high in fat, so it is. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I didn't really feel too bad about it. I mean, I guess yeah. I could eat almond butter instead, but um, peanut butter there's just something about peanut that i peanut butter that i love so i that's the only legume i haven't cut out you know but i've cut out all others because again they're you know really sort of high in starch um and there's other types of protein i mean really all it was doing for me was giving me extra protein and there were other better sources of uh protein um that had like a higher fat content that would be um more metabolically efficient for me so you know it was just kind of over time seeing how far i could take it and see how much i could stretch i'm not um i don't follow a ketogenic diet which is kind of takes metabolic efficiency to the super extreme you're talking like less than 10 percent of your calories are coming from carbohydrates you're having like less than 100 grams of carbs every day Mm -hmm. i haven't quite gotten there yet and i'm not sure that i ever probably will um but um but I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I feel like at this point I've gotten, I've got just over, over a period of time, you know, trial and error have slowly gotten myself to where I am to the point where, you know, I can go do a 10 hour Ironman on 880 calories. So, so did you, do you, did you come from it from the angle like to do your daily diet first or? the angle of um, cutting back on carbs during your workouts and like saying like substitute you can in first. Um, cause I've, cause I've tried doing the daily diet first and I know that's very important, of course, obviously. And then, um, and it really wasn't working for me very well. And then I thought, well, maybe if I just do, uh, workouts where I'm not taking in hardly any uh, sugar, any carbs, then um, that will kind of uh, up my fat my fat metabolism a little bit, and then the mm-hmm. daily diet will be easier. Or did you kind of do them both at the same time over time? Yeah, I mean, I so I used I've been using UCAN since before I went pro. Which, mm-hmm. So I mean, I was using UCAN as my nutrition before I started doing a metabolically efficient diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked fine for me. I mean, it, it worked okay. You know, I, I certainly am faster now than I was then. Right. I'm also fitter now, so it's kind of hard to tell which one had the most impact. But, right. um, you know, I, was, I used the product before I bought into the lifestyle of, you know, high-fat, low-carb diet, mm-hmm. metabolic efficiency, all of that sort of stuff. Um, in fact, I specifically remember telling Greg he was crazy that I would <laughs> that I was never going to cut grains out of my diet because <laughs> yeah. I like cookies too much. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, 
And uh, obviously that didn't last. But uh, and I, actually, the reason it didn't, the, I, there was a very specific turning point at the very beginning of my pro career, which was my first pro race. Mm-hmm. I went to Panama. Um, it was a half, and I think it was in February, and it was in the middle of the worst winter we had had so far in New York. I think we got, I'm pretty sure we got maybe 16 or 18 inches of snow dumped overnight the mm. morning I was supposed to go to the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my flight got, can- anyway, long story short, I went, it was a horrible race. I DFL'd and um, I said to myself, gosh, I should probably make a few changes w- about <laughs> the way that I'm approaching my training right. as a pro because obviously what I used to do is not going to work anymore. Um and that was kind of the, that was, you know, I, I, I was not planning on quitting my job and I figured one of the easiest things to change is your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just a matter of your choices you're making. You don't actually have to carve out extra time for training or right. rest or massages or whatever, you know, it's just a matter of eating different things. And so I was like, well, I'll give it a, give it a shot and see how it goes. Um, but, uh, and, and then just found that, you know, by doing that, it made the UCAN even more effective. Um, you know, oh, okay. and and I I should say that, you know, I ha- so I coach other athletes. Some of them use UCAN, some of them don't. Some of them are less or more mar- metabolically efficient than others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I a lot of uh, extreme is a word that a lot of people like to use to sort of describe this diet. And I don't think that it is necessarily extreme, but I also understand that it's a serious commitment and that it's not for everybody and that not everybody needs to follow it in order to perform well. Um, you know, you can still do, and I did, you know, I did my, um, my fastest amateur Ironman was a nine thirty still on a normal non-metabolically efficient diet. So certainly you can still go fast right. um, without it. It's just the question is how much faster could you go um, or how much longer could you go if, if you are metabolically efficient? And that, that, was, that question was the most important one to me. Yeah. So. And then uh, maybe you could dispel for people the, the theory of um, how when – they say, you know, once you get over a certain point of effort, you know, you need uh, carbs. Right. And there's been times where I've gotten myself, you know, totally in the fat burning mode. And mm-hmm. I've done um, intervals on the bike or intervals in the pool, intervals doing anything. And uh, it feels like uh, there is no top end. Like I can just keep going and going right. and going harder and harder. And the, um, the fat... Uh, metabolism is just fine for uh, for energy. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I actually don't. I mean, I I can't think in recent memory of a time when I bonked as a result of not having enough, um, you know, like calories or sugar or readily available glycogen in my muscles. I mean, I've done. I've done a a 303 marathon on basically nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think wow. I may have had like <laughs> I, I think I may have had one UCAN bar the entire time. Wow. Um, you know, and and did a 905 Ironman, which I mean is not. You know, I'm I'm work. I I, I like to think that I was working pretty hard on that one. Um, 
<laughs> you know, my and I can tell you my heart rate was in the one, you know, towards the end, it was definitely in the 160s. So, mm-hmm. and that for me is nearing threshold, right. um, if not over it. You know, certainly if I went out and ran 20 miles at above threshold, I think I would die, but probably most people wouldn't. It's not because of lack of glycogen. It's because you've, you know, completely overburned yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um yeah, I mean, I've I've just personally never experienced that. Yeah, I think when they when they've done the tests on people and they show them bonking, it's it's on people that are used to uh, burning sugar as fuel. Sure, and right. And they blow yeah. out. And then there was that fascinating test. I forgot what it was called, but Zach Bitter and some other guys uh, participated in it, I think. And they took people that were actually metabolically efficient and been eating a higher fat diet, then put them on the treadmill. And then kept ramping it up, and they kept going mm-hmm. like higher and higher and higher. It was pretty cool. So, right. um, what have you found uh, as far as hydration with salt? Like, how do you? What I what I found was this: um, when I first started trying to do higher fat, lower carb, I got dehydrated. But to see down here in Texas, it's unbelievably hot most of the year. Oh yeah, and <laughs> as you experienced, yeah. And, so, um, the whole thing where I was saying earlier, where when people go low carb and most of the weight they lose at first is water weight because, um, one carb holds on to four, uh, molecules of water or something like that. I forgot what it is. And when you, when you, um, when you deplete your system of the extra carbs, it also takes a lot of water out with it. Mm-hmm. And so how do you find your way to stay hydrated? enough in races and just in your, in your workouts and daily life. Um, has that been a problem? Have you even noticed that what I'm talking about? Does that seem foreign Um, to you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, so I, um, I, I mean, I know that everybody, everybody sweats a lot, especially if you're doing, um, you know, if you're an Ironman triathlete, chances Mm -hmm. are you're, chances are you're more likely, it's more likely that you're going to be a super sweater than not. But, um, I, uh, I actually uh, used to live in the Middle East for three years before I moved to New York. Um, oh, cool. and I was there in 2007 to 2010. Um, and that's actually where I picked up um, long-distance endurance sports. So mm-hmm. I, I ran across the country. I was about 36 miles um, at one point, not when it was hot, but I used to cycle all summer long. Um, and in the summer there, it's like you know, above 50 degrees Celsius, which is 125 degrees. Holy cow. Wait, um, you never said what country. Where were you? Qatar. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was working for a university over there. Oh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, we would, we would get up at like three in the morning to go bike because the sun got up at 4am and try to bike for as long as you could last before mm-hmm. it got, you know, so unbearable that you couldn't bike anymore. But it, it you know, when we were waking when we were starting, it would be a hundred degrees. Wow! At the beginning of our ride, you yeah. know, and we'd be ending at like <laughs> one ten. Um, so, I mean, I think maybe my body learned how to cool itself pretty well. Although, I mean, when you look at Texas, that's not necessarily the case. But um, I think I don't know. Maybe I picked up some super sweating yeah. skills when I was over there. But um, but I also um, thankfully have a high at least what seems to me to be a high absorption rate. So, right, there's, there's two, two aspects of dehydration. There's the sweat rate, but then there's also the absorption, absorption rate. Right. So, um, 
you know, how fast does your body actually absorb the water that you're ingesting? And mm-hmm. uh, mine seems to do just fine with that. Um, and uh, and I, I do use um, – so I do supplement – uh, partially with you can hydrate, which is their um, hydration like not electrolyte um, replacement drink. Right. But I also use base salts. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. On on hotter races, so that helps for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, historically speaking, I haven't been awesome at hot races. Um, I went to Kona twice as an age grouper, and neither of them were a particularly good day for me. Right. Um, but. Uh, well, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be experienced with that. Like, you gotta be, yeah, to, yeah, like recently, or else, you know, having been in it years ago, was is good mental training, but as far as sure, like, physiology, physiology, physiologically, um, yes, right, exactly, yeah, it doesn't doesn't help. I I know going from winter into summer, uh, winter into spring here in Texas, I have to recalibrate um, how much water I'm drinking. I'll have yeah. a couple rides where I get so dehydrated and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe how much I need to drink. <laughs> yeah. Because over the winter you cool off a lot. Yeah. Well, and, and to that end, you know, it's just p- paying attention to it on a regular basis mm-hmm. or on a daily basis. So um, I take like, you know, a liter of, I take a liter, a water bottle that's a liter to work and mm-hmm. I fill it up once in the morning. And uh, if, you know, I don't always finish it by um, the afternoon, but if I do, then I'll fill it up again. So I'm, I just kind of keep it there as my sort of daily reminder to drink lots of water and try to get, I have probably at any given time, like three different, like liters of water, you know, water bottles in the fridge that I just sort of sip up, sip on from, uh, from time to time. So do you, do you add any extra salt to your, any of your food any, at all, like consciously or just kind of don't really think about not, it? No, not really. I mean, I cook a lot. I cook with a lot of different types of vinegar, so that helps for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do certainly. I put like salt on my eggs, but um, in the morning when I have breakfast, and I put um, you know vine- like balsamic vinegar on my salad, oh, so that adds a little vinegar. bit. Of- oh my gosh! Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like when I cook in the evenings, I'll I'll add that to it. But I don't I don't add a ton of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I certainly am not like when I eat nuts, they're usually raw nuts. So that's, yeah. it's not like I'm having a ton of salt on my, on like I'm not having salty nuts every day or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I do, I've done some blood work, you know, periodically and my sodium levels are never, um, are, are usually normal and within range. Um, so I'm not super, I'm, I'm not nervous about that particularly. So when you get up in the morning, and you are getting ready to go train. Are you are you eating anything? Or are you training early in the morning before you go to work? Um, and you train on an empty stomach? Or are you having a snack first? Or what does that look like? Yeah, usually I'm um, usually I do a fasted workout. Not really by not really on purpose, um, but just because. I want to get as much sleep as possible and I don't want to wake up at five in the morning <laughs> before <laughs> I have to go swim at six or run at six or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I eat anything and I'll be maybe, um, like if I know it's going to be a really long workout, I might eat a UCAM bar. I might like eat a scoop of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that. Yeah. 
or even a handful of almonds or something like that just to get a little bit in my stomach. But typically I don't, again, don't really ever feel like I need anything, you know, and most of the time my morning workout is shorter than my evening workout. So at the very most I'll be doing an hour and a half in the pool or, you know, eight to 10 miles of running, which both of those things I can easily get through without any, without any added calories. So So one of the upsides is you can, get up and get going without having to eat something and then letting that settle. So it's like more right. time efficient. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The only, the only, alter, the only situation that's not the case is if I'm doing a long run on a weekend mm-hmm. and I want to get it in before breakfast, but don't want to do it on an empty stomach. And so like if I'm doing, you know, anywhere between 12 and 18, 18 is usually the most I'll do before an Ironman. But um, if I'm doing anywhere between 12 and 18, I'll usually have like some you can beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. You know, I might have like one packet or a scoop or two or something like that. Yeah. What's your favorite flavor? What do you, what do you like? Um, for daily stuff, I love the cocoa delight. Uh-huh. Um, that's good. It's really tasty. And I add, I have my, I, every single day I have a smoothie with a scoop of cocoa delight, um, some protein powder, uh, a, a heaping scoop, a, a scoop of peanut butter, some cinnamon and milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I, that's I, I look forward to it every day. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that'll be after my workout. So it'll be nice high in protein and it'll replace some of the carb, you know, some of the energy that I lost in the, in the workout, um, yeah. have a little good bit of fat in it too. So, so uh, on, that's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, we, my son and I just went mountain biking and, um, he's 11, you know, so he can run out of energy. <laughs> we, right. go, we go for yep. an hour. And so uh, I've been trying to get him to fuel with anything. You know, we can, we can get weird with fat metabolism and stuff later on in life. You know, I'm just trying to get him to just, <laughs> just, to, yeah. just to do anything, you know, because kids are so right. hard to, to make them, uh, eat or drink enough, you know? And so, um, so we've tried, we've tried Gatorade and, you know, this, that, and the other. And maple syrup is actually pretty interesting because it's slower. Right. Uh, it's a slower sugar than um, Gatorade. And um, so I made him a water bottle with some, uh, with a couple tablespoons of maple syrup in it. So it's real diluted, nice. diluted and stuff. And uh, he tasted it and he goes, blah. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> Dad, do you have any of that, that chocolate uh, you can? Because I let him taste it one time. And I said, yeah, actually, I think I do. And I, I dug it out and uh, made him a thing. He goes, I like this. Because <laughs> it tastes like a milkshake. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so he drank that. Uh, we went mountain biking uh, for an hour, and he was fine. And awesome. Racing me at the end of it, actually. There we go. Yeah. Well, yeah, cool. I don't like to race with that. I'll usually go for the orange or um, the pomegranate blueberry for um, – mm-hmm for during a race but uh but for an everyday sort of thing it's it's pretty awesome yeah i agree it's pretty cool and it's cool that they have like all the different flavors and then yes. um so for like a meal let's say you're sitting down this is so fascinating that you like <laughs> to me i'm sorry for all the weird questions no it's fine but you're um you're sitting down with a plate of food yeah um and you can tell me like what is it in a second but do you put you dribble like olive oil and avocado oil and like coconut oil on stuff to add extra fat to it, 
because just the veggies, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, that's not enough calories at all. Right. You know, day in and day out. So what do you what do you do to add more fat to your food? Yeah. Well, so for like uh like I'll have a giant salad for lunch mm-hmm. and I'll you know douse it in um, olive oil or avocado oil or something like that. Something mm-hmm. that's you know like coconut oil doesn't work for that because it's um it's solid at room temperature. Right. Um. But uh. But yeah. So I'll do that. Um. I eat a lot of cheese, so that adds a good bit of fat uh, mm-hmm. to my diet. Um, I have an, like a whole avocado pretty much every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I eat the whole egg, not just the egg whites. Oh yeah. I don't know um, why people do that. That drives me crazy. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I might, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I want to eat like more than, I typically have three eggs for breakfast mm-hmm. and I'll have it with coconut oil, um, and I'll cook it in coconut oil. But if I if I feel like I need more protein than just three eggs and I don't want all the cholesterol, then I might add I might add some additional egg whites in there. But yeah. I'm gonna eat the egg yolks of the other three eggs first. Yeah. Um, but uh, bacon always helps. That's a great <laughs> that's a, a great source of fat. Um, yeah. You know, and and when I cook like when we cook dinner, it's vegetables and they're cooked almost all the time and either olive oil, avocado oil, or coconut oil. Um, and, you know, because I, I, I like, I can't even remember the last time I steamed vegetables. Um, partially because you lose a lot of the nutrients when you when you put them in water. Right. Um, steam them we or have, microwave them, I've heard. Have yeah, it just kills everything. Um, <laughs> but, because, uh, well, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because yeah. if you look at, like if you see steam vegetables, if you see broccoli, yeah. and then you look at the water that's left over at the bottom of the pan after yeah. you cook the broccoli, it's green. Yeah, that's all the green. Yeah. Because that's where all the vitamins are. Yeah. Um, so I tend not to um, – if I cook any vegetables in water, it's to make like a soup or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we uh, – we have basically one cast iron skillet that sits on the sits on the oven or sits on the stove mm-hmm. constantly, and it I just sort of saute vegetables in that all the time over and over again. Yeah. Um, and so it's got all that you know residual flavor, but it it's it's always got that fat in it to to make it just a little extra. And then of course eating nuts certainly adds a lot of fat, and I try to eat. I don't, um, when I eat dairy, it's not skim. It's, you know, either 1% or 2% milk, mm-hmm. um, maybe half fat, uh, yogurt, not non-fat. So. Yeah. I, I, I found something that's been working for me has been, um, just adding a little bit of oil, like, um, avocado oil or olive oil, or, um, you can buy MCT oil, um, mm-hmm. or coconut butter to whatever I'm eating. Just mm-hmm. because um, I think as Ironman athletes, you know, we eat, we need a lot of calories right. uh, to get through the day. And um, so if you just eat um, a normal healthy sized portion of food, uh, what we consider, you know, for a normal person, it's actually not enough calories. And right. then, so let's say you try to eat healthy. Uh, you know, quote unquote American healthy, which would be like just right. to, just to say the salad, you know, and some veggies and you know right. uh, whatever. And then you add on to it your your avocado. Down here in Texas, we have guacamole like all over the place. It's oh fantastic yeah, fantastic for that. 
so like guacamole and then um, avocado oil or olive oil or coconut oil, kind of on that, just mm-hmm. for like to make it greasy. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden now you're you're at a way higher fat ratio and and um and you're still eating healthy stuff with it, all yeah. stuff with your vitamins and fiber. Sure. And I, recently I've been doing that, and that seems to be working for me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going into workouts going, man, I hardly need anywhere near as much, as many calories as I, as I used to during yeah. a workout. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So where do you find, uh, where do you find places to ride your bike around, uh, you're in New York, you're in downtown New York City. So, um, do you ride the trainer a lot? Yeah, most of my weekday um, miles are going to be on the trainer. I think sometimes in the summertime, if I get out of work uh, a little bit early, I might go for a longer ride um, outside of the city. But it takes about 20 minutes to get out of the city. So, Mm -hmm. you know, 40 40 minutes total travel time um, on the bike, just kind of light spinning, going through traffic, that sort of stuff. And by the time... You know, you're over there. You only have like, you know, that's you've wasted a good portion of your time. So if I <laughs> have limited time, or I'm supposed to do, you know, an hour and a half or two hour ride, even at, well, the two hour ride, I might go over over the bridge. Mm-hmm. But, so I live in northern Manhattan, um, and there's a bridge that's very close to me that uh, you take to get over to New Jersey. And then once you're in New Jersey, there's a really great um, bike route called Nine W. And mm-hmm. anybody from New York knows exactly what that is and where that is. And it's always crowded on the weekends because everybody rides it. Um, yeah, that can be kind of fun goes, though, right? Like a whole bunch of people out there riding. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like the, it's the place to be seen on the weekends oh, for sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a ride Maybe. like that here, but it's like yeah. uh, 20 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking like sometimes as many, I mean, I, I've, like you know, some summers, if it's, or even in the fall, if it's a nice weekend, I mean, uh-huh. just hundreds and hundreds of people out. Yeah. Um, that's great. Which is cool, yeah. Um, you, you know, and you've that got makes a long ride seem to go by faster. Right. Well, and it goes for you know a hundred miles north. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you can take it all the way. I've ridden it all the way to. Well, you have to cross over to the other side of the river at one at some point. Uh-huh. Um, but you, the, it's kind of continuous bike routes all the way up to Poughkeepsie, which is a hundred miles north from here. That's cool. So, yeah, it's 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 really nice. But again, you know, accessibility, I usually ride that on the weekends. Or I might go out to Long Island or something like that. Mm-hmm. But weekday, it's all trainer work. So do you, on the trainer, do you ride, um, uh, like, there's, like, the Zwift, you know, video game? Or what, what do you do to entertain yourself on the trainer? Um, mostly just music, honestly. I, I try to stay as low-tech as possible. So I've mm-hmm. got a, you know, I've got a power meter, and it's just a normal fluid trainer, and I, my coach gives me my intervals and power zones and I just kind of stick to it and, um, put on some, you know, some motivating music and go at it. No TV or anything? No, we actually don't, um, don't have a TV in our house. Oh, Um, good. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a vestige from my dissertation days because I, I couldn't afford to be distracted. Right. Um, so, I mean, certainly I have a computer that we like watch movies on and that sort of stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I found that if it's good enough to watch, you'll hear about it. You can probably find it, it on the computer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> watch the highlights on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, with a, with a kid around, we don't want to, you know, like 
we don't want him to grow up thinking he's been punished or anything like that. So we have we have TV here, right? And, um, lots of time saying, turn it off, so that we can actually enjoy each other instead of sitting there zoning out on the TV. Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool that that you don't um, uh, watch anything while uh, riding the trainer. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, my my longest trainer ride will be only about two hours, so it's mm-hmm. not like I'm spending hours and hours and hours on the trainer. I think if it was anything longer than that, I think my max is about two hours before I start getting really, mm-hmm. my mind starts wandering. But uh, the intervals that I do usually are um, are between, you know, I, I, switch it, I switch it up pretty much every five to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, you know, I'm like, there was only maybe twice that I ever this summer had to do like 20 minute time trials. That's, that's not fun. Yeah. Um, on a trainer with nothing to distract you. But, uh, but also, you know, at the same time, like I think, so I, I do a little bit of yoga as part of my, um, part of my training regimen, mm-hmm. mostly not necessarily, I mean, partially for, you know, the strength and the, the stretching, but also for the, for the mental toughness. And I think, I think that's one thing that I gained a lot over the summer from doing so much, um, work on the trainer is just mental toughness. And I think for me, at least when you have things to distract you mm-hmm. during your intervals, a, you're probably not doing your intervals as well as, as spot on as you should be. And B, that's not what a race is like, right? right. So you're during a race, you're holding a pretty, a fairly uncomfortable effort mm-hmm. for very long periods of time with nothing to distract you but your own thoughts. And so to put yourself in a training environment where you constantly have things distracting you, to me doesn't seem at least for me in the past has not been a good way of mentally preparing myself to race. So that's also why I try to reduce. I mean, I, I even go back and forth on listening to music, but at the end of the day, it's just, I, I can't make it through a trainer ride without music just because it's (laughs) just that boring. But, um, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't run with music. Um, when I swim, you know, it's just, focusing on what I'm doing in that particular moment. I try to live in the moment as much as possible and just think about what I'm doing at that particular second. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've had people comment to me before, like, uh, man, you rode like three, four or five hours out there in the middle of nowhere with nothing. <laughs> yeah. No people or anything. And I'm like, yeah, it's good training. And once you get used to it, it's not that bad. No. So, no. Yeah. And when people comment that they're all alone on a bike ride, like during a race, They'll say, like an Ironman race, they'll say, I was out there by myself for like an hour or 20 minutes and it sucked. And I'm, I think it's actually good. I like yeah. being out there because then you can make better choices instead of reacting to other people. For sure. Yeah. So what about, um, what kind of bike are you on? So right now I'm riding a Guru um, and I've had a Guru, I've had the same bike for, I want to say three years now. Mm-hmm. Um Guru is a company that's that's no longer unfortunately in business. They they made some yeah, really great that. bikes. Um, it's really unfortunate. I think you know maybe it was their business model wasn't particularly sustainable because you know they handmade most of their bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, my my bike was hand was was handmade. You know hand welded and um, and everything and um, 
and it's it's a, so it's a CR901. It's got like I I don't do electronics shifting. I have uh-huh. Altegra Durace parts. I have a Quark Elsa power meter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I race on head wheels. So right, um, but you know it's not it, it's it it works for me. It's not it's not the it, it's not exactly you can't compare it to most of the other you know super bikes out there. But mm-hmm. um, uh. It's about the engine, not the not the chariot or the horse, not the chariot. So. Right, and that goes back to the whole metabolism thing. That and the uh, the stuff I, I saw and read on you was like because you're kind of a part time pro, I guess, mm-hmm. full time uh, day job. Then um, you need to have a you need to make sure your your angle to to be successful was to make mm-hmm. sure that you're as efficient with your, your engine is as efficient as possible mm-hmm. to make up for, there's other people out there training like half again as much possibly mm-hmm. as you are. Yep. Yeah. And, and then, uh, well, are you, are you shopping around for a, a, a bike sponsor or, um, have people been approaching you? I mean, winning a full art, uh, full Ironman is a pretty big deal. You probably got yeah. a lot of attention like after that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not sure. My, um, my coach, Greg, um, mm-hmm. handles most of the sponsorships for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know if he has something cooking up. I know he rides a Ventum right now. Um, and I know oh, there's yeah. quite a few people on the team that ride Ventums. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I'm not really sure what the next step is going to be, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. That's um. We'll it's what 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 has the reaction been like um, from you winning? Like people uh, banging down your door to talk to you about stuff and. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had a few podcasts. So I did a podcast with you, Can. I did one with Cup of Try that just came out today. Oh, cool. Um, I think I've got um, I'm I think I have one more lined up for maybe next week. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's actually really funny because I um. Most of the most of the people in like my regular life in my <laughs> in my community at work, they didn't really. I mean, they knew I they knew I was like fit, and they knew that I was um, that I was like athletic, and that I trained, and that I was you know I took care of my body and that sort of stuff. But I don't think they really knew like how much time I spend on it, and and. Yeah how fast I could potentially be. And so actually the outpouring has been mostly from my friends yeah. and my coworkers who are like, wait, what? I didn't know you did this so well. <laughs> I didn't know you were that fast. Like, this is incredible. Oh my gosh. How did I not know this? So it's, um, it's been kind of cool to sort of, uh, I mean, part of it is, you know, I work at Columbia and I'm, I'm, my title is assistant dean um, in the Office of Student Affairs, and so oh, cool. when students address me, they as, as they address me as Dean Darby, mm-hmm. and I've always been known as kind of the fit dean. Um, <laughs> And, and and I'm a little I'm on the younger I'm closer to their age than some of the other deans too so I think yeah. you know maybe that gives me some cool points yeah but like the students were losing their minds over this so like, they found the, out they they, they found out yeah they found out someone posted on Facebook and they have like you know groups that they all have that they're all in and someone posted the the um, article the original article from Iron Man uh-huh. um, and people were like. Email students were emailing me personally. They were posting on my Facebook wall. They were posting in the groups. They were, 
you know, coming to my office to congratulate me personally. It was wow. just so funny that um, that they, because you know, they they knew that I was fit because I was I was the fit dean, but they right. I, I think that they didn't really totally like grasp how far I took it. Um, mm-hmm. So now my secret's out. I can't I can't hide it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my day job. Um, I, I'd say I'm almost 100 percent of them could, could care less that I do triathlons. Yeah. You know, if people aren't into it, they don't want to hear about it. Well, and and I, my, like, they don't, they they actually do care. I mean, it's, they, Well, if you win an Man, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, and that's why, like, that's why I never really talk about it a ton is for the exact reason that you just said, which is that, you know, when you, you've talked about it 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes too much. And, you know, they, they're, they are curious sometimes and they're, supportive and they're you know happy for me that I lead a fit life but they're not really like into it and so I don't get into these you know super detailed conversations about what kind of power meter I have or the next mm-hmm. you know Garmin watch that's going to come out right. um and uh and you know they have like a general appreciation for it but they don't you know it's not like yeah. they it's not like they care you know um but really but then they They've they've had a little bit of a different reaction this time around, which has been fun. Yeah. So, so then, um, are you going? Is is Kona the goal? Are you going to try? What do you need to do to qualify for Kona? If you do, are you are you going to go? Um. Yeah. I mean, I that's that is the ultimate goal. Um. It has been since I started as a pro. Um. Obviously, it's you know. The free, nobody expects to be going to Kona in the first year as a pro, mm-hmm. but um, but you know I have I'm sitting on 2,000 points now, and last year um, I think it went just below 4,000 mm-hmm. points for the 35th woman to qualify, but I can't remember if that was an automatic qualification or not. Um, but uh, I. I figure if I can go into like the summer with maybe 4,000 points, mm-hmm. I'll be in a good place, um, which, you know, I picked up half of that. I'm hoping to pick up a good chunk at Arizona um, and then maybe do another race in the spring, another race or two, maybe just some halves or something like that. I'm not sure. It kind of depends on how Arizona goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that is the ultimate goal is to get to Kona. And if it happens next year, awesome. If it doesn't happen next year, then plan i'll go back to wales again i don't know you know it's it's uh yeah (laughs) challenging courses seem to be i i'll do maybe wales and lanzarote and then i'll i'll be set yeah it it dawned on me that uh just the other day that my highest performance not my fastest time but my highest ranked you know relative uh ranking versus other competitors was at one of the harder races i've ever done yeah. Um, Austin was hot and it's not really hilly, but it's pretty hilly and, mm-hmm. um, it's a tough course and that's where I got, I did my best performance for a half Ironman versus, um, the competition. Nice. And that really surprised me because as a bigger guy, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just tall, you know, so I'm carrying yeah. weight. Um, you think, uh, all out flat would, would, um, like Galveston or Florida. Right, be my best, but it turns out no. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the harder stuff was uh, harder, um, yep. or better for me. Um, well, are you going to change anything, or you think you got stuff kind of dialed in? And what well, would you change if you were changing anything? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, to be honest right now, like, with my swim, so my background is in swimming, so uh-huh. um, I, I rarely, um, you know, for that, it's just a matter of putting the time in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although there's always, you know, you can always make, even at an elite level, you can always make uh, changes to your swim stroke. And I, I do coach some, I do coach swim lessons and actually coaching, coaching other swimmers tends to make my form better. So, you know, that's that that really at this point, the only way to make myself faster is to get in in, in the pool is to have a more efficient stroke um, as opposed to being fit. Cause I, I think I've sort of like le- reached the upper limits of my swim fitness. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my, my swim at, um, at Wales was a two and a half minute PR. Wow. Um, but like coming off of 51. So I did like a 49 and change, which yeah, I saw that it was, I, once I, you're there. I was like, wow. It, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, once you're there, it's you know you don't really expect to get a whole lot faster than that, yeah. and I'm totally fine with that. Um, but uh, yeah, on the bike, I you know I th- I think uh, my coach and I are going to try to squeeze a few more watts out of me between now and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I I increased my FTP by probably twenty or thirty watts over the summer. Oh, um, cool! So How'd I think you do that? that was Just interval pro- training or yeah, bike trainer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all trainer work and certainly some outdoor stuff because the stuff that we have outdoor, like the 9W that I was talking about, mm-hmm. it's super hilly. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, so I'm, sh- I'm sure that helped, but, um, you know, continuing to sort of hammer it on the trainer for a little bit longer and see if we can't get a few more watts out of me and then, um, you know, potentially doing a little bit of an upgrade on the bike and um, new wheels and that sort of stuff might mm-hmm. Um, might help that as well. Um, and then for the run, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty much dialed in. I mean, I could always be a faster runner. Sure. But between now and Arizona, at least that's like the most immediate goal. I'm not really sure I can make it, you know, it's not like I'm going to be running like Miranda Carfrey come (laughs) eight months from, you know, eight weeks from now. So something else. Yeah. 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 I I tell you that, that, uh, people ought to go read the uh, the race report on Slow Twitch. It is so great because they they write about it, you know, like as it went along. And so yeah. they said, uh, I forgot who, you, who the other competitor was, you know, but she was, uh, had a big gap, six minutes or something like that on everybody mm-hmm. uh, on the run. So it just looked like that she was going to win. She was just going to coast it in. And then um, you passed her on the run, and yeah, uh, that's pretty pretty amazing that you're able. To yeah, I was that. down. She had 13 minutes on me at the beginning of the marathon. Oh my gosh! Yeah. How did she look when you when you passed her? Was she coming apart, or she was steady? Yeah, you were just fast. No, she was. She was. I mean, she was basically. She had slowed down to a crawl. I mean, yeah. I put. Um, you know, and I mean, she to her to her effort, she put it all out on the line. Oh, um, see, I've read a little bit about her. She's a badass. <laughs> Well, I mean, she she set the bike course record. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so she went out probably too hard. And then... Well, yeah. I mean, even if she didn't, you know, yeah. she 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 pr- probably went out with the, a goal to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of hammer it and see what she could do. And yeah. she, I think she opened up the beginning of the marathon pretty fast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't I don't know I don't 
I didn't talk to her to ask, I wasn't, you know, your, your conversation at the finish line isn't going to be, so why did you, you know, that's rude. But, but no, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it was just a matter of me being consistent. I mean, I, I was running pretty close to the same pace, the entire marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last mile, yeah. You know, I passed her in the last mile, and I put two and a half minutes into her in the last mile. So, yeah, so she was running at least a nine thirty, if not a ten minute mile. Yeah. By the time I caught her, which was like a solid three minutes slower than what she was running at the beginning. So, yeah. you know, I think it was just the fa- the fact that everybody else was slowing down, and I kind of yeah. just stayed consistent. How did you feel? That's a good. Qu- that brings up a good question. How did you feel when you finished? Were you exhausted, or were you? I've heard where people that are uh, more uh, fat efficient are um, aren't even that tired when they finish. Like tired, I mean, of course, you just did an Ironman, <laughs> but like, you're not. I was pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, but then like they're not starving, or you know, then they they get around to eating when they think about it, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, I've I finished, and my legs. I think my legs. Honestly, my legs hurt more than anything else just uh-huh. because, I mean, because it's an Ironman, but also just because of the downhill. Yeah. Um, so much downhill pounding was yeah. just killer on my quads. Mm-hmm. Um, and my calves started seizing up a little bit toward, when I stopped as well. Oh, um, yeah. Or, sorry, my calves and my hamstrings. So my legs, my legs were definitely hurting, mm-hmm. but I think that was more just from the elevation change, you know, and I, I kind of... I I did I laid down on the floor and sort of sat there for a little bit and eventually got up. But you know I went to the med tent, got some hot fluids, got some. They had like some salty soup, um, mm-hmm. and I had some of that and a little bit of coffee and was just kind of. I don't think I even ate any real food until probably three or four hours later. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, cool. How can people uh, find you and get in touch with you besides your um, students? <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, well, so, yeah. what's that? I said, beside your students that have discovered that their dean is a uh, assistant dean is a world class athlete. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. They, they once I got the doctor, um, uh-huh. the doctorate, they called me Dean Doctor Darby, yeah. and so now <laughs> they've been calling me Dean Doctor Champion Darby. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah, which is yeah, of course, obnoxious yeah. and unnecessary, but yeah, um, funny. Yeah, but no, the I mean, so you can find me. I've I've got a blog. Um, I f- I don't actually remember the URL off the top of my name, but or the top of my head. But mm-hmm. if you just, I'm sure if you just Google. Um, Google my name and triathlete will come up. Um, we've got try by three has a website, so it's just T R I B Y three.com. I've got a bio on there. Um, there's information on our coaching and our classes and our training studio for anybody who's in New York. Um, you know, my Twitter handle is just at Darby Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Darby and with an I D A R B I I. Yeah. yeah. Roberts. Um, I'm on Instagram. I don't think I have that many triathlete followers on Instagram, but hmm. uh, but yeah, any of those social social media. I'm on Facebook. I don't have a. It's just it's just my my like me as a person. I don't have like a fan page or anything like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, people okay. can check it check check it check me out, and then also try by threes on Facebook as well. So yeah. very very typical of somebody that's working a full time job. <laughs> 
yeah. and trying to do Iron Man at the same time. You've only got so much time to do all that stuff. Yeah, so. very true. I mean, I, yeah. my blog, unfortunately, doesn't have a ton of stuff on it just because mm-hmm. you're right. I don't have that much time to to post um but i've i've been although now that i'm not working on a dissertation anymore i have significantly more time than i used to have Mm -hmm. um so i'm hoping to make that a little bit more active in the near future but uh yeah well cool well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and absolutely uh, good luck at arizona and and getting to kona i'm definitely going to be uh following i find this fascinating and yeah uh, and yeah people reach out and talk to you and and uh thanks for your time all right thank you darby and as you can tell during the interview i didn't know a bunch of those things about her about her being an assistant dean or about that she was working on her phd and just finished up her phd and had lived all over the world i i didn't know all this stuff about her about how smart she was uh, going into this and um was really blown away uh, about this and um man i get i get uh you can just like everybody else i go to their website and order it you know um, i use the same discount code <laughs> as i'm about to tell y'all and i went right back out and ordered some more and uh, actually um did uh chocolate and um man it's actually really good i never really thought about the chocolate one so much uh, until darby mentioned it and I used it on my bike ride this morning and did like almost 22 miles per hour for three hours on 100 calories per hour. No problem. It was great with chocolate. And um, you would think that that wouldn't be good out on the bike, but actually it's really, really good. So if you like the interview and you want to find out more about UCAN, you know, you can go explore their site. And the discount code I use is uh, Zentri. Z-E-N-T-R-I, all caps, uh, 25% off, 25% off. So I ordered uh, two containers, and it saved me quite a bit of money. And, um, of course, they have all these different flavors and stuff. And um, also, during the interview, I mentioned that, uh, you know, my concerns about getting dehydrated, because when people go low-carb, you lose fluid right off the bat. And um, I'd forgotten, you can actually make uh, hydration uh, solutions, you know, or um, electrolytes. And you just shake it into your water. That's pretty cool. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this interview, I was all like, what do we do about salt and electrolytes? And, well, there it is. But let's go ahead and uh, get off of that and mention some show donors. So you can support Zentri uh, by going to zentriathlon.com. And you can look through all the old posts and interviews. Uh, they stay up there for quite a while. And uh, on the left-hand side, we can go there right now. I love having that big computer right in front of me. Let's do this. We can go to zentriathlon.com. You think I'm not prepared, but I'm actually doing this on purpose. Because if I type it in, you think about typing it in, and it makes you want to go do it yourself. A little bit of psychology right there. So let's go look. A uh, big, beautiful web page with sponsors all over the place and videos and posts on all over. And Oh, you can find out more about me. There's uh, Who is Brett up at the top. That's kind of cool. See all the races and stuff I've done and attempted to do. And on the left-hand side of the page, if you scroll down a ways, uh, you can see um, subscribe and donate buttons that are kind of PayPal-ish looking. And you can support the show and... 
you can do like a three ninety five a month or do like a one time donation. And if you do that, you get my email address, and uh, you can just send in a donation, or you can actually um, send in a question. Now that you have my email address, we got a few questions in here. We'll mix in during the uh, during the reading of the donors. So here we go. Uh, Matthew Heights, how's it going? And M Webb, which we just had a uh, email from. We read that. Uh, Kim B. And uh, she's got a good email in here. And she says, uh, hi, Brett. I was sorry to learn that you were pulling out of Uberman. So Uberman is happening, I think it's October 9th. It starts on a Sunday. And you swim from Catalina Island uh, to the California shore. So it's like 22 miles, maybe 21. Open ocean with sharks. And then you bike over to Death Valley. This is all nonstop, by the way. You can stop if you want, but it's all nonstop. And that's like a 400-mile bike ride. And then you run the Death Valley race, a uh, bad water, bad water 135, which starts below sea level and then finishes at the, not the top of Mount Whitney, but kind of close to the top. And that's one of the highest places in North America. <laughs> so it's absolutely crazy. On paper, it looks like it might take about five days or more to finish it. And I was actually going to do it. I was lucky enough to be uh, selected. Uh, I put in an application and asked if I could do it, and uh, I was uh, I was told yes. And then I didn't know what to do with myself. And then over the spring and summer, I just developed so many injuries and um, got kind of burned out training and racing so much. And I wanted to take a little bit of a break. And also, I mean, I had plantar fasciitis so bad I could barely run. And I thought I need to take a break for a little bit and um, let my body heal up. And then also Kai is, um, he just turned 12 and all, for years and years and years, it's been, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. Cause I'm training or I'm racing or whatever. And, um, he's such a good kid. And so is Emily, such a good wife, you know, they're both like patient and they're like, yeah, for Brett to be happy, he needs to do this stuff. And I'm like, you know what, while I'm healing, I need to do more with, uh, Kai. He's kind of transitioning from that phase, uh, where boys go from, wanting mommy around so much to um, wanting to be more like dad. And uh, so, and also he's getting bigger and stronger so he can actually uh, keep up with me now with more stuff. And so, like I said, like doing the push runs and going mountain biking and stuff like that. So I'm spending more time, less time training and more time with Kai. And he's also in Boy Scouts, which actually is part of the uh, podcast later on. We talk a little bit about that. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a perfect description, and he's gone from, he's just gone from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts, and in Cub Scouts, moms kind of run the show, where, you know, they're the den mothers, and they organize everything, and in Boy Scouts, dads kind of run it, and older boys kind of run it, and um, we kind of just let them out into the woods, and if they get hurt, they're, <laughs> they learn not to get hurt, and um, lots more hands-off, but a lot more uh, kind of dad-oriented, and so we're involved with that, and so I need to spend more time with Kai. So this was a good time, unfortunately for Uberman, for me doing Uberman, it was a bad time for that, but a good time for me to back off of the triathlon training a little bit and spend some time with Kai and develop him into, uh, I don't know, it sounds weird, but kind of develop him into a, a young man a little bit more. And um, now's my time to be doing that. And it uh, that means putting uh, ultra-distance triathlon stuff on the back burner just briefly. And... Um, he wants to crew. He wanted to crew for me at Uberman. You know, like he's totally into it um, and likes it. I just needed to um, uh, 
it's just you know perfect storm of letting things heal while I uh, while we do more with Kai. But anyway, it'd be more of the dad figure for Kai uh, until he begins to hate me in like when like three more years I think probably. <laughs> So I'm like, no, you can't take the car until you finish your homework. I'm like, Dad, I hate you. Like, All right, okay. Um, but let's see. He says, uh, he says, Kim says, uh, I first heard about Uberman on your podcast. I'm a longtime listener. I've donated in the past and also brought my share, bought my share of Hornet juice. Um, when you first started talking about it, I sent the link to my old friend Scott, who had been talking about wanting to do something big. A uh, big challenge. I thought he'd get a chuckle out at seeing the details. Well, he actually wound up signing up for it, much to my surprise. I surely thought he must be joking because <laughs> Uberman is insane. Uh, Scott was kind enough to be my Sherpa this weekend at my first 70.3 in Santa Cruz. And while we were chatting, he mentioned that you were pulling out because of your foot problem. Um, so, yeah, the Scott guy was telling Kim that he had heard that I was pulling out. At any rate... Uh, I just wanted to let you know how bummed I am. I won't get to meet you at the race since I'll be helping crew Scott. I'll be there uh, along in his race. I've never done any crewing before, so if you have any advice, please let me know. I have no idea what to expect and what Scott might need. Okay, so advice for crewing in the big races. Um, Ultraman, uh, Uberman, and some very few other races you can actually crew live on the race course for your person that's racing uh you you can interfere it's fine outside assistance at times there's kind of some rules on that kind of stuff um if they're on the bike like an ultraman if they're on the bike you uh you can't hand them things from your car because it's just dangerous but at the next intersection you can stop pull over and then get out of your car and hand them stuff as they go through the intersection it's kind of cool um but what works, and I learned this from other people, is hand signals because um, you can see somebody doing hand signals from far away and kind of get stuff ready so when they get to you, you can get them the right stuff. Or if they're feeling terrible and can't talk much, don't want to talk, they can just do hand signals. So ahead of the race, you need to develop your hand signals. And uh, we did this for when I did my own self-supported Ultraman, Kai and I. Um, we developed... He would jog with me, and we talked about before the race uh, the hand signals we were going to use. You know, it was like one finger up means water, two fingers means fuel, three fingers means nothing. You know, don't give me anything. I'm fine. Uh, a fist means I feel like crap. You know, or thumbs down feels I feel like crap. Thumbs up means I feel good. Um, uh, you know, just like not too many because you won't be able to remember them all. But it really helps. This, this this is good stuff. Also for ultra swimming, like marathon swimming, you know, from the water, um, you can while you're swimming, you can you know hold things you know, a finger up in the air, and that means you want water, fresh water, uh, to drink. Uh, two fingers means uh, fuel. Uh, three fingers means fuel and water. I think something like that. I don't know. I forgot what we did, but it works. So that'll be huge for you to know, and then. Um, when you start getting well into the race and your person starts feeling like crap and is mean to you, do not believe them. <laughs> when they're that rude, they're just frustrated. They're probably having low blood sugar, and uh, that makes you really grumpy. So they'll feel fine in a little bit. Uh, if you can't, man, it'd be great. You won't have time. It'd be funny to record somebody when they're having a shit fit, and um, and then later they could hear how mean they were being. Um, so you know, maybe drop a contract that during the race. Um, 
if somebody says something mean that after the race, you'll disregard it. Okay, let's see. Okay, well, best wishes for you. I hope your plantar fasciitis heals quickly, and I look forward to following along on your next challenge. I have a secret wish to join you one year for Iron Baby. So every year, except last year I did an Ultra Baby, uh, I do uh, self-supported Ironman and raise money for the March Times. Um, and people can come join me. Uh, the March of Dimes has been a special place in your family, in our family too, and anything that supports them is awesome in my book. Best wishes, Kim. All right, cool. Thanks for the email, Kim. That was really neat and really helpful uh, for all these people listening. Uh, Chad Perlin sent in a donation. Sam Pearson has a question. Where'd it go? Um, Hey, Brad, I have a question about the swim portion of 70.3. I'm racing in Bahrain, uh, which I believe has a wetsuit swim for a few years. Um, it's existed, but I'm training for a uh, non-wetsuit because I think it's typically close to a cutoff point. I've been doing some experimenting, swimming in a local lake, which is a marked course and a good place to try different things. I've been doing 200 meter, 2,000 meters continuous and finding that a wetsuit, I swim with a faster shoulder-driven stroke, uh, leading the, the uh, suit letting the suit take care of the hips and legs with a very light two-beat kick. I can swim this course fairly consistently, around two to 100 meters. Okay, good heart rate. He's listing off. Interestingly, when I use a non-wetsuit, my stroke rate slows down. Um, So he's going back and forth here. I won't read the rest of the email, but uh, wetsuit or no wetsuit, basically, um, should I not swim with the wetsuit, uh, feeling fresher and, uh, easier heart rate, you know, all this stuff back and forth. And I actually prefer the sensation of non-wetsuit swimming as my shoulders are free and it's less faff. And I'm not sure what faff means, but thanks, Sam. Okay. And that last sentence right there is what was really important to me. When I read that, I go, oh, I know the answer to this one. You need a sleeveless wetsuit. That way you get the best of both worlds. Uh, the one I use um, is the DeSoto. Well, maybe they only make one wetsuit. But anyways, DeSoto makes a two-piece wetsuit. And basically, it's kind of like overalls for your for the bottom part. And then over the top, you can wear a vest or a long sleeve. They make both. And they make several models of it and stuff like that. But um, I found that when I swim with a full-sleeve wetsuit, I'm significantly slower. It slows my arms down. For whatever reason, they they always say, you know, you're faster with a full wetsuit. Not me. (laughs) I'm slower with a full wetsuit. Um, And I'm I'm, uh, faster with a sleeveless wetsuit. I can do the shoulder rotation that I want to do, apparently. And also, um, I can keep cool and... um, and it's been fine. I used one at uh, Whistler and swam uh, just under an hour for a full Ironman swim and uh, loved it. And it was a little cold at first because it's sleeveless, but then it warmed up just fine. And yeah, so I suggest a sleeveless wetsuit. And I sent him an email already suggesting that because I said, hey, this is a really good question and your race is coming up. I need to tell you. Before I put the show out, uh, Matthew Crehan sent in a donation. Tyler Moyer, Spiros Fetsis, 
Dwayne Morin, Mark Reed, Joseph Rogalski. How's it going, man? Uh, email from Daryl Franklin. Hey, thanks, Coach Brett. I'm about running out of Hornet juice. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm sure it will arrive in time. You must be super busy. Uh, we haven't had a new podcast in a while. Yeah, all that stuff I was talking about. I'm doing my first self-supported this coming weekend, but I'm doing a half Ironman. I love it when people do self-supported Ironmans. Um, that's where you go out and do it by yourself. Uh, you don't sign up for a race. You just pick a weekend and you go do it. Totally doable. Lots of people do it if you're thinking about it. If you've never heard of it before. And this is a build-up to his first full Ironman in Bustleton, Western Australia in December. Thanks again for the great content. My kids, Ryan and Ella, remember Ryella. <laughs> Double exclamation point. Uh, absolutely loved your Scooby and Shaggy impersonation. So funny. Go back a few episodes. Y'all can hear that. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do it right now. Uh, I'm cracking up. I'm smi- if I'm smiling, I can't do impersonations. Uh, they haven't heard much from Kai lately. They miss his Kai's Coaching for Kids <laughs> segment. Yeah, so we need to get Kai back on here for more of that. Uh, thanks for keeping it real, and you keep the rubber side down too. Uh, regards, Daryl Franklin from Down Under. We don't really say that much, but I don't tell anyone. Double exclamation points. Uh, Richard Trago. Send in a donation, James Von Hippel, uh, Houston Marsh. How's it going, man? Uh, Lindsay Williams says, hello from Scotland. I just wanted to say hello and thanks. And a quick question. Uh, she had a bike crash, damaged her right brachial plexus. Ugh, that sounds bad, whatever that is. And um, first open water swim in nearly two months. Since then, uh, staying sane is tricky. Uh, doing a 70.3. She did a 70.3 in August. Uh, creaky body permitting. Uh, so thanks for the motivation. And, oh, your bit about flat pedals in the latest episode was really interesting. So last episode, I talked about how I went out and proved to myself that flat pedals were just as fast or faster because I got a power meter and I ride the same course all the time. And I saw this video where you flat pedals are just as fast as... Um, they proved it scientifically. It's just as fast. So um, why are we wearing clipless pedals and these fancy shoes when you just wear ride flat pedals? And um, so uh, I've been doing it a lot lately. And uh, your bit on flat pedals was really interesting. And I've only been riding a road bike for a year. And since I've stuck to a sprint Olympic distance try so far, I've just begun on my running shoes. And once I get out of the pool and cycle in those um, – the people at the cycling club are always hassling me to change to clipless, but I quite enjoy doing the triathlete plowing her own furrow thing, and I've resisted so far. Which brings me to my question. If flat pedals and clipless pedals result in similar performance for super fit fellow like yourself, would they be similar for a slightly tubby, increasingly unfit woman like me? Three, exclam- three uh, question marks. Thanks and take, take it easy, Lindsay. Yes, absolutely. They'd be the same because clipless pedals are awesome for standing and hammering, accelerating fast, like criterion racing, um, just keeping maximum control of the bike under bumpy pavement, uh, hard in the turns, and, um, yeah, just standing, accelerating, sprinting. And those are all things that you don't do in a regular triathlon. A triathlon, because you have to run afterwards, you need to keep your bike really even, like an even effort. So all these things that I just mentioned are all hard accelerations that uh, are really hard on the legs 
And by the time you get done doing that on the bike a bunch of times, stuff that you would need clipless pedals to do, well, you've compromised your run. And since the run is the last thing, you might end up walking and therefore very bad idea. And yeah, there's no reason why uh, somebody that's new to it um, would not be able to do it. Uh, let's see. That reminds me. I just got some tweets from somebody and John Pullen. And he said because he was listening to my last podcast, he decided to wear them in a race, flat pedals. And he had similar results from me the time I wore flat pedals in a it's kind of like halfway between a sprint and an Olympic for me. Um, no slower on the bike because I guess you could compare it to previous. And T2, that's where you get off the bike and run, 36 seconds. <laughs> so it was faster doing flat pedals and shoes. And that was my experience, too, when I did a race like that. I, uh, my, my T2 was insanely fast. It was crazy. Um, threw the bike into the rack and just ran. And I put my helmet down and I ran. It was pretty cool. So it works. All right, and... Let's see, um, Michael Radagna, Brett Hoyer, coolest name, first name in triathlon, Simon Wright, Daniel Clemens, Karen Jackson, Justice Phillips. How you doing, Justice? Uh, Jonathan Woodman, Hun Chu, John Mullen, Katie Joe, James Godank, Matthew Hines. Are we back to the beginning again? My, my notes kind of loop. Uh, Peter Salzen, Brian Kemper, Matthew Froese, Alice Frutos, Todd Nelson. I think I forgot to mention him. So anyway, those are all people that have uh, supported the show recently. And somebody uh, mentioned Hornet Juice. You can go to the um, right side of the Zen Triathlon page, and uh, there's a link to Hornet Juice. It's purple and blue. And that's an amino acid mix that you can add to your fuel. And that turns on fat burning as well. It's synthetic Japanese killer Hornet saliva. And every time I mention don't use it for sex, that's not what it's for you know, for energy, for sex, then uh, uh, people buy it like crazy. I do not do not know why. But anyway, every time I use it, you just get tons and tons and tons of energy. There's no caffeine or anything. It's amino acids. It's protein. It works. And I think the other sponsor we should mention before we get going into um, uh, Michael Dirksen's interview. You know what? Let's not do a sponsor. Let's just do the interview with Michael Dirksen because he rocks and I don't want to delay. So let's go ahead and hear Michael Dirksen and I talk about his first big swim. Here we go. Hey, hey. And there you go. Hey, dude. I haven't seen you in a while, man. <laughs> been a while. I... Your video's not up. Uh, it's trying. I'm not sure why not. All right, no, no worries. Yeah, I'm on Wi-Fi. So. I'm hanging so. with I'm hanging with the crew out in the backyard. Yeah, who's the crew? Let me see if I can. How do we flip the? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Oh, look at that! Just you need to be like a Japanese tourist and just hold up your iPad. <laughs> really? Around. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's see, we got... Uh, let's see if I can turn the volume down. Shit. Okay, let's see. Okay. See the chef dog in the back? There he is. A girl, boy? Yeah, boy. Hey. He's a local canine pup yeah. from the he police department. He doesn't look like he trusts us. Uh, he's he's eight, so yeah. he's just looking for a place to lay down. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like 
Kind of like me on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. How are you? I'm doing really good. Man, I can yeah? see you, but you can't see me. This sucks. Yeah. Where's yeah. the uh, Kinda. camera part? The, the little camera screen. Oh, you know what? I put tape over it. <laughs> I did the uh, Zuckerberg thing. Uh, wow, no, you I can't got... see crap, man. It looks like just thick fog. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. Hey, you got new ink. Oh, yeah. Majorly. Yeah. I like it. That hurts. You get right up. Wind of the. Oh, jeez. Collar, collarbone right there? Yep. Yep. And then under the arm. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's a tiger. I'm, it's a Japanese. It's like Japanese. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then the Japanese tidal wave. Yeah, yeah. And it goes all the way across my chest to there. Wow. And then. When, when are you getting the color? I haven't decided if I'm going to color it yet. I kind of like it like this. But well, also you've seen mine, right? Oh wow! Yeah, That's I'm kind of thinking about getting it colored too. I could get it colored. Oh, so mine's sweet, music, dude. Yeah, I right? remember seeing that. I think. And then the wave yeah. is a keyboard. Yeah. See that? That's really cool. That's the and same it, kind of wave I have. Look. Yeah, it's the yeah, exact the Jap- same. Yeah, Japanese spiky. Yeah, the Japanese spiky, dude. We're so Look. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's dang- a new thing. We're dangerous. Uh, the last, the last uh, race I did, I was in a, I was in a sleeveless, mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting passed by everyone, so everyone could see my arm from behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so as they're passing by, I'd get people like, "Hey, music dude," you know, yeah, music yeah, dude. Was, yeah. So, um, for the um, for the event tomorrow, because there's no bike, I don't have to worry about how tight my top is. Uh-huh. But I also know that when you're wet. Pulling anything over your body is a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to put um, a real loose-fitting running tank under the wetsuit. Yeah. And then um, my my Speedo jammers, and then I'll just pull running shorts on before I go because okay. I, uh, I don't display in public. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, I hey, found... we already started recording. It just recorded automatically when it when – it, Oh, uh, sweet. Okay. So, hey, let's back up a second and say right. what you're doing and where – and they moved, okay. they moved the swim course too, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the water temperature at the reservoir was up, and so they got more algae than they expected because we've yeah. been having like hundred degree days. Uh-huh. So um, it was going to be like in the mid seventies, which made me happy. But then the water quality dropped, so they moved it out from the Livermore Reservoir out uh-huh. to the Berkeley Marina. Right. So it, instantly it became uh, a saltwater swim, and now you get to hear the Jaws music. Because in yeah. a lake, you don't I was hear about the Jaws to say, <laughs> the, uh, You're talking about in San Francisco Bay then, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll okay. be on the, obviously on the Berkeley side. Um, yeah. It doesn't start till 8, but I don't think we're going to have a lot of wind and waves yeah. that are, I don't think there's going to be a lot of chop. Uh, um, let, me, um, let me go turn off my dog real quick. Can you hear <laughs> You him? don't have her on a remote? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Our two dogs just bark. If there's anything outside, they get so excited. Hold on. Kona, nobody wants to hear you on the podcast. <laughs> okay, so. Another. Maybe, we'll still be able to hear him, but it won't just be as, as loud. I closed the door. Another uh, reality of this is how it happens in real life, this right? real triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's funny. So it's a 2.4 mile swim in mm-hmm. San Francisco Bay on the Berkeley side. Right. And then... Uh, a three and a half mile run. Then a, That's it. Three and a half mile that's run. That's it. 
Oh, yeah. Dude, that is so cool. What's it know. called? Uh, it's called The Catfish. So uh, people can find it, it at people can find it at USA Productions website. They mm-hmm. do a lot of the local NorCal stuff. Like I've done their Folsom International. They've got oh, a long course. Yeah, They've, I've done their um, uh, half Ironman in uh, well, yes, half, Silicon Valley. The Silicon Valley half, not Ironman, but half. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good bike climbs in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that was the time you came out, and I did the international distance, and you did long course. Yeah. So same I still got that water bottle. Was that the same reservoir? Huh? No, that one's down in San Jose. So okay. I'm about an hour east of that in the California Central Valley. Okay. So I'm out by like um, the southern wine country. It was called like the Morgan ag- Hill, right? The Morgan Hill. Okay. Yeah. And that's even further west than I am. So okay. I actually live about 20 minutes from the town that they filmed Sons of Anarchy in. Oh, cool. So, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So we don't get a lot of humidity, but we get, you know, Texas style heat. It's yeah. been, today's nice. It'll be 85. So. so you've never done a half or a uh, full Ironman swim, right? So it's that your was, first 2.4. Right. And okay. that's why I was hunting for this at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I was like, um, one of the things that always drives me crazy is people talk about like, oh, I do triathlons and I just dread the swim. And I'm like, me too. So why are we doing this? Right. And so <laughs> I said, you know, cause I had the heart attack last year uh-huh. and I needed something to kind of motivate me to get, you know, back on my feet without, you know, really pushing me too hard. And I thought, I'm going to do a swim block. I'm going to do a season where I really focus on, cause if I don't enjoy swimming, why in the world am I doing it? And right. I realized I wasn't enjoying it cause I didn't do it well and I didn't really know what I was doing. Right. So my previous 70.3 swims were always around 39, 40 minutes, not too bad. which isn't not, but yeah. yeah, but they were always like, gee, I'm glad that's over. Now we can start our race. Uh-huh. And I said, everything I would read on slow twitch and all the interwebs and all that was mm-hmm. like, well, if you swim more often, you know, you'll really get a feel for it. And so I, I did some four, four swims per week mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I started to get it like, yeah. oh, this this is actually enjoyable. And then we had, um, so I swam uh, January, February, March quite a bit. And then the CrossFit Open started mm-hmm. in March. And so I kind of focused on CrossFit stuff for a few months. Yeah. And then the last two months, I was like, oh, crap, the 28th is coming up. I better get back in the water. And um, I've been putting in three on average, sometimes four. Yeah. I had a week where I traveled a lot, so there was two days in the water. But yeah. what? The thing that I found was really amazing was when you swim two days in a row instead of just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you throw that extra day in there where you uh-huh. swim two days in a row, it's almost like an extension of the previous day. Like there's no mm-hmm. – you like remember the catch. You remember yeah. – it just kind of – the. I, I think a swim training more like golf than yeah. running. It's a, it's a series of techniques and I found that as because I was practicing them three to four times a week instead of one to two – yeah. I actually started making progress right. instead of just staying, you know, slogging along like I was before. So I'm actually looking – I mean, I'm nervous because – Let me um, – Emily Emily just came back from the grocery store. Let me tell her to hold on a second. Hey, Emily. I'm upstairs doing a phone call with somebody, and I'll be done in just a minute. Okay. Bye. Okay. Not just a minute. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when I was on swim team – and we would swim five days a week, right? And sometimes, right. sometimes six, often six. Uh, when we missed a day and then we 
got back into it again, it was so weird just missing a day or two. Right. Uh, you totally lost your feel for the water, and it would take that first day back um, to get your feel again. And that's with people that we were swimming all the time. We were swimming like five times right. a week. So, yeah, if, um, if you do back-to-back days, it, that's not enough time for you to forget how to catch. If you right. skip a day or two, then you'll forget how to actually catch the water. And right. you feel like you're slipping and sliding around in the water, and you're ineffective, you know, like you're floppy kind of in the water. Right. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, I don't have any, I've never had anybody like analyze my stroke or give mm-hmm. me coaching. And, you know, I, back in the day I did the total immersion drills and I just kind of made it up as I went along. And yeah. it, so I don't have that background of having somebody like push me through sets and all that. What I've been doing for a training plan, um, on slow twitch, Dan has something called the guppy 10 week challenge. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's three to five swims a week, and they're about 2,000 yards. And I found that I actually swam better when I did four 2,000-yard days than if I did three 3,000-yard days. Yeah, I that, can see that. You know, it's like it's about the same yards, but just – and what, what's really amazing is unlike hard biking or running, I can go back in the water and push it again the next day. It, yeah. The recovery seems a lot. That's So I learned a lot in the last six months yeah. about – swimming and i no longer think of that as my biggest limiter for completing an event i still have a lot of room to improve yeah but i, I no so, longer look at it like Ooh. one you know, thing that's happening never... there is swimming is a non-impact sport even less than cycling in fact swimming uh while you're swimming any muscle or joint that you're not using at the moment is improved in recovery because of the the water pressure and the cooling effect of water hmm. is actually really good for your body so you can swim pretty hard or a lot one day and then go back the next day and um, you're nowhere near as beat up as if you um, ran that amount of time or if you biked, right. even if you bike that amount of time because the water cools you and everything and it's just right. really nice. And, um, and, you know, like people wear um, compression socks and compression leggings, you know, to recover their body faster and water puts pressure on you just like that. So hmm. the whole time you're I wouldn't in the have water, thought it was enough to matter. It's a little bit, and it helps. So okay. the other thing is when um, the thing that people need to get over to uh, get faster swimming is the whole body position thing and getting relaxed. Right. And um, if you go back to back days, you're a little you're a little bit tired the next day, right? A li- you notice like maybe you're a little bit sore or something. And learning how to swim. Uh, while you're a little bit sore, uh, your body self teaches how to be more efficient, right? Kind finds the path of least. It resistance. finds the path of least least resistance, and it remembers how fast you were going yesterday. So you keep you you try to go as fast as you did the day before, and and you're a little bit sore, so you start finding easier ways to go to the same speed. Yeah, and then that just just compounds. Bam, bam, bam. The next thing you know. If you've been swimming a lot, especially, you know, like days in a row or a lot of days a week, then um, then your form is a lot better and it's more efficient, right? So you're, right. Able, you're able to relax in the water, you know? Like if you see some, it's the same thing, like if you see somebody pedaling a bicycle and they're pedaling squares, you know? Yeah. I saw a lady uh, biking the other day and her, her knees were, were going up real hard and then down real hard and then out and then, you know, and it wasn't this smooth... <laughs> It wasn't the smooth uh, round, 
you know, yeah. motion uh, that is efficient. You know, it was very inefficient. And, um, you know, that's really tiring. And so if you swim enough and if you swim kind of slightly fatigued a little bit, then you start to f- you start to relax. You give up, which, you know, you just give up and you go, I guess I'm in here. And you relax your body and you lay more flat on your face. Right. And um, I've been experiencing the same thing with I'm not a very good kicker. So I started doing more kickboard drills. And uh, at first I was trying real hard to kick. And then finally I just gave up. <laughs> I quit trying so hard. And then my body relaxed and then it found the form to, to kick a okay. lot better. And then the next thing I knew I was kicking you know, pretty much twice as far without getting as t- before I would get as tired as I was. Uh, right. Before. Yeah. So good job, man. So what would you say, like a few months? Is that how long it was? Of uh... I had three really solid training months, yeah, January, February, March. Yeah. And then the last two months have been really successful. And I no longer have to like force myself to grab the goggles and get out to the pool. Now oh, it's like, yeah. oh, I get, I'm working at home today, so I'll just like run over, get in 40 minutes yeah. and be done. And it's refreshing. And yeah. I really kind of get in a groove. I think... The next step is to start working on some faster intervals because I'm kind of stuck at the 135, mm-hmm. 140 per 100 pace, yeah. which is respectable and I can do it a long time. But now I um, I got a workout from somebody on Slow Twitch for this last week mm-hmm. and I gave it a try yesterday and I did 400 f- – scattered in there was like some 100 repeats and I blew them out in like 121 to 125. Dang. And for me, that's a pretty significant difference. Yeah. And it gassed me, but it was like, oh yeah, I guess yeah. if you just—it's like if you just jog nine-minute pace, that's what you'll get good at. Right. Is jogging nine-minute right. pace. And so to break through, you got to do some intervals to right lift up your normal pace a little bit. Right. Yeah, and you just mix them in some, and it'll do it over time. Right. Yeah. So I'm not—I'm trying not to think ahead mm-hmm. after tomorrow. Um, because I really think, like, so far, no matter what happens tomorrow, it's already a success because I, I became a better swimmer and I developed a consistent habit, and that right there is a major win for me. Yeah. And you know, open water swimming is a full contact sport. Anything can happen. You can catch an <laughs> elbow in the face. You yeah. can, people can swim over the top of you. It's yeah. that anxiety. But even a DNF wouldn't be a failure to me because I've already accomplished the goal, which yeah. is become a better and more consistent swimmer. Yeah. So race day is race day. I mean, you can you can get a lower back seize up and you're done, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just life. Um, this is more the reward than the goal. Right. The goal was really to be consistent yeah. and, and learn to do swim training and not see it as a, as a, a burden to triathlon, but actually mm-hmm. one of the three things I enjoy. Right. So yeah, once you get good enough at a sport, right, then it's a joy to play it. You're not struggling as much anymore, and you can kind of, right. you can kind of play with it. Like um, I used to hate running, and then I just I, I maybe it's says the, the guy that's done like yeah <laughs> SOS and yeah <laughs> come on, dude. No, I used to hate running, and then I, I guess I signed up for something that was huge or something, and it got me out there running so much. And then one time I was running and I kind of took a turn during my run, you know, like around the street corner or something. And I was able to lean into it and I felt good. And then I came out of it and then I went up a little hill and then down a little hill. And it was fat. I had gotten good enough or it was fast enough where I was actually having fun now. You know? Right. And I sure. was like, oh, this this is what people talk about. I like running now. And yeah, uh, yeah you can do the same thing like, like we're talking uh, like swimming or like a musical instrument. Right. Right. 
But once you get to the point where you can, on a guitar or a keyboard, you can play chords and stuff like that. And then, yeah, yeah, it's nice, man. Then you're, then you're in it for life. That's so right. cool. So is this a mass start or is it a... Um... There's three waves. Okay. Um, How many waves? Everyone, many everyone who's doing the full course goes at 8 o'clock. And then uh-huh. at 8.05, all the 1.2-mile swimmers go. And then they've got a, a short, shorter set of buoys that are 500 yards. Mm-hmm. And they go at 8.10. So okay. I'll be with all the long course people. I don't know how many are signed up. Do you know um, if I looked it's at the re- beach start or a pier start? I don't. The website, frankly, this is a great. I, I mean, I don't want to say anything negative, but okay. their website has been pretty poor yeah. on details. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they, and also they've moved venues, right? So who knows? Right. Yeah. Right. Even if you so, did know, it's changed. They didn't even have the course. Um, they didn't even have the start time on the website until three weeks ago. <laughs> So it was like, yeah. okay, is this a six a.m. start? What, what are we doing here? So, um, I've I've changed my Garmin settings uh-huh. so that I get a distance alert every five hundred yards. Okay. Um, when I'm in the pool, I do it at two hundred, just because anything beyond that I can't count and I lose track. Right. <laughs> but I'm rarely swimming intervals longer than two hundred anyway. So, mm-hmm. in this case, I've got it set to five hundred. Um, just put my head down and go. You know. Mm-hmm. Sighting, sighting is always a challenge. My my Garmin reports on open water swims are like a like a zipper going through the water. So sighting, I've got I put fresh lenses in my goggles, the reflective ones, and if they're new, I know they won't fog up. But on the Garmin, it's just going to be time and distance for swim. That's it. I don't need to know. And on the run, I'm not going to wear heart rate monitor. It's only I'm not going to bother with the strap and all that stuff. So. For the run, I'm just going to do time. I, I don't even think I'll look at my heart rate. You said I mean, it's a my 5K watch. run? 3.5. Okay. Yeah, it's basically 5K. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And All right. So on the swim, have you been training during your swim workouts, like lifting your head out of the water and looking forward? Yeah. That, what do they call it? The lifeguard stroke or that's, whatever? Yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's where I got that. Um, <laughs> I'll do that every now and then. Yeah. Um, Good. I've had I had one workout this week. Normally, I get a lane all to myself. Mm-hmm. I have a pool that tends to have mostly older people, and they just kind of stay in the two shallow lanes and mm-hmm. bob around. I mean, um, so I usually get a lap all to myself. But yeah. this week, I got I shared a lane with um, a somewhat big woman, but she did thirty minutes of backstroke nonstop. Nonstop. Wow. I mean, she was just a machine. Yeah. So I got a little bit of. Uh, Full body contact practice. Yeah. You know, you know, you come up to and I'm ready to do a flip turn, and she's just hitting the wall, and I'm like, oh, I got to stay tight. I don't want to kick this lady in the head. And mm-hmm. so, you yeah, know, just that's good that, practice, though. Yeah, um, but I, I'm not in the kind of uh, our pool is not the kind of thing where you're going to have like a lot of lap swimmers where I can gauge myself. But I mean, as slow as I am, I'm I've only once seen somebody who's faster than me. Yeah. It's just not. It's not a. It's at a 24 hour yeah. fitness gym. Right. It, short course yards um it just isn't i guess there's a couple of triathletes that show up in the evening but usually by then i'm on dinner time so yeah. um i try and well, go in the morning or so for people that don't know lifeguard stroke when i was a lifeguard uh, i was lifeguard for several summers and they they say if somebody if you see somebody go under or somebody uh, having trouble um you swim with your head above water you some freestyle at them with your head above water so you can have eyes on where they are so if they go under you got an idea of where they went under because if you swim oh, okay. with your face down 
then you pop your head back up and they're gone. They're gone. You don't know where they were or what, you know, the last place that they were, right? Okay. So that's why they call it lifeguard stroke. So that's uh, swimming with your head out of water. And what happens is, is if people don't practice that um, during swim practice, then on race day in open water swimming, when they need to sight, they'll sight, um, they'll be able to sight a few times, you know, and, but they're not very good at it. And then halfway through the swim, like their neck starts to hurt, you know, yeah. um, they haven't practiced like how to, how much, how you only need to pop your head up just a little bit to actually be efficient. Right. And it actually uses your, your shoulders and arm muscles and back muscles a little bit differently. And then people may get their back seizing up or, you know, yeah, really, I was going to say really my sore. lower back, I, I would, if I would do you know, half a length that way, I would notice my lower back. And of yeah. course it shifts your body position. So your hips mm-hmm. drag lower. So you are slower, but right. nothing's slower than going off course. I mean, <laughs> that's the ultimate slowness yeah. is like, Oh, I'm a hundred yards to the right. That's not good. But now so, what's the clarity like in the Bay right now? Is it, it's half decent, isn't it? Can't you see like five, no. 10 feet? <laughs> no, I, no, I, that close to shore. I don't, I would be very surprised. Oh. Um, if I had known this was going to be there, because I go out to UC Berkeley to work uh-huh. once a week or so, I could have easily, you know, brought a wetsuit. They have an aquatic park over on the San Francisco side where people practice. That's mm-hmm. the exit for Alcatraz, you know, where yeah. aquatic park is. Yep. So that's on the other side of the bay, and that could have given me some more of that bay open water practice, but mm-hmm. it didn't happen. And oh, you know, speaking of that, what's the water temperature of the bay? it's they're saying 66 to 70 so are you serious really yeah yeah oh wow that's pretty that good. seems surprisingly warm yeah because i grew up in santa cruz and monterey bay is always quite a bit colder than the san francisco bay because yeah. they got the deep water trench down there yeah so that's why i got into beach volleyball instead of surfing because i was a total <laughs> sissy with cold water <laughs> yeah well i so, would bring a. so what people do is i'm gonna bring a cap yeah, people bring extra swim caps. The way I did Alcatraz was three swim caps. and uh, I have a neoprene one. Yeah. Um, um, you And then the other thing is if you do get an ice cream headache, you know, when you start swimming. Yeah. Uh, swim with your head out of water for just as much as you can. And that will mm. build up body heat. And then you dip your head in. And then mm-hmm. after 20, 30 seconds, if you start to get an ice cream headache again, you lift your head out, keep swimming. Um and then that'll build up your body heat again and give your head a break and then dip your head back in. Okay. So basically, you dip your head in until it starts to hurt ice cream headache-wise and then um, lift it out until it goes away and then back in. Okay. And after just a couple of minutes, it'll, it'll, uh, your body heat will counteract the, the coldness of the water. Okay. So. Well, even if it's down at the lower end of that range, that's not – 66 is not a yeah. super chilly. But, yeah. I don't, but I also haven't practiced it. Yeah. So, um, and then another thing is um, supposedly putting the tongue on the roof of your mouth um, stops ice cream headache. What? The vein or the artery that is uh, that supplies blood to your brain, that if it gets cold, um, gives you a headache, runs across oh. the top of your mouth. So if you put your tongue, any anybody, anytime you have ice cream headache from eating ice cream, then um, you put your tongue against the top of your mouth and it goes away really fast. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's a Zen Tri tip for you right yeah, there. Yeah, that's your random tip. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, how are you with, uh, are you nervous about swimming with all these other people? Like the crowds well, or anything like that? Yeah, a little. I mean, I'll probably hang back a little bit. Um, the nice thing is I won't get caught by like 
successive waves, like when I did Vine Man mm-hmm. or Oceanside or whatever, you know, they're going off every three minutes. And so first the leaders of the yellow cap catch you and yeah, then the leaders with the blue caps. And it's like, it's more a mental thing. Um, I'm willing to give yeah, up a minute or so. it makes you feel like you're behind or something like that. Yeah. You've got to speed up. Yeah. And I always finish kind of middle of the age group anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm okay with some contact, and I'd rather take a slightly long, especially like the first turn on the first buoy is usually where there's a lot of congestion, right? Because right. people haven't strung out quite as far. Mm-hmm. So I usually take the first buoy kind of wide and just be like, well, it is what it is. Um, but it, that is probably the biggest, if I've got any anxiety about it, um, It, I've, I've done it a half a dozen times, yeah. plus you know the Olympic stuff. I've, I'm not. I, it won't be new territory, but it's never comfortable territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the thing that I've noticed doing Ironman swims is that, which is the same distance, is you start to wonder after a while, like, man, how long is this? Right? When you get yeah. about two thirds of the way, geez, even halfway through, or you can look at your watch and be like, oh my gosh, we're only 20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but it's nice you have a watch right and you know what right. to expect and um then you, you're gonna know where you are at least time wise even if the right. gps doesn't work great you'll still know where you were t- where you are time wise and right. how much time about how much time you got left which is really nice right and so you can pace yourself appropriately and then the other thing that i really have found to be nice is um you know, you got your, your pack of swimmers, kind of. You know, it's kind of a loose collection of people. And some of them are real congested and swimming on top of each other. Right. But if you get on the outside edge where you are pretty much one of the, the outside people, let's say it's 20 people wide, right, and you get out there on the, on the side uh, and you got clean water in front of you, mm-hmm. then um, and maybe you're, you're in contact with somebody so you don't feel alone. You know, you feel there's some people nearby. Right. But swimming um, with a clear path ahead of you so that you're not bumping into people and people swimming up your butt, you know, like hitting your yeah. feet and stuff. Then what you can do then is you can you can much better control your own pace. And then um, then you'll start being able to go slow enough and easy enough where you can actually enjoy the scenery. And it feels yeah. like you've got the, the almost like you've got you're swimming with like maybe two or three other people. That's it. If you get on the outside edge, you get on right. the inside. Man, it's terrible in there. Somebody throws a wide a wide stroke, and it yeah. kind of hits your arm, and it breaks it's, your rhythm. And, and it is true, you know, if you get in there and you draft off of other people, yeah, it's a little bit faster. But the um, but it's hard. That's difficult to do. That's really difficult yeah. to draft off yeah. of somebody. And then, uh, but if you if you get out where it's a little bit by, a little bit by yourself, then. Um, then I predict a much calmer, uh, easier swim, especially, and you'll really enjoy it. Right. Uh, um, so then what are you doing, uh, to eat beforehand? Okay. So, okay. All right. So I specifically picked a goo that this one has 40 milligrams of caffeine. And so, oh, oh man. yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, wait, right. 40 not bad. Okay. never mind. No, but it's, it's, yeah. they, they come in caffeine free 20, and uh-huh. 40. And yeah. so I picked a couple that have 40. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to be up around five. Yeah. I'm going to make up my standard three eggs, small, th- and they have these microwavable steel cut oats. Oh, sweet. Um, so, yeah. so I'm going to do, do those two. That's my normal breakfast. Maybe a few 
maybe a little bit of grapefruit. Yeah. Um, I'll have about two hours for that to kind of work its way through. Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to take one of those two goos and I've had this flavor before, so I know that my, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, I'll have that about 15 minutes before go time. Yeah. And then I'll have a second one in the transition area and that's, and I'm not going to bother with any electrolytes or anything for the run because it's only a 30 minute run yeah. and I don't really need food. But I think that extra shot of caffeine and sugar out of that goo at the beginning of that will mm-hmm. settle into my stomach. And then I'll just basically be yeah. – I'm going to – I have an old water bottle, but like I don't mind tossing if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to rely on aid stations for water because, again, it's just a short – Yeah, it's a five, five-ish K thing. I'm just going to have one old bottle of water and one goo. And yeah. cool. I, I think that if I get five 600 calories in the morning before I go, yeah, I'll be solid. So then um, one last thing that I've heard and I've been trying it and it seems to work pretty good is if you start off too fast and, and you take something sugary like a goo, mm-hmm. well, then you're gonna, it's going to spike your blood sugar and boom, bottom out, right? But okay. if you start off almost – you start off the swim kind of like a – almost like a warm-up. You know, you're just like cruising yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. easy. Um, then – you won't burn through everything so fast, and that allows you to uh, all those eggs and and, and uh, um, oats. It allows you to use those more. Okay, you're not dipping so hard into your into your sugar reserves. You're actually able to go off of the uh, fat a little bit better. So, um, Doctor. Well, there's Mapitone. always anxiety at the beginning, you yeah. know, and you got the adrenaline pumping, and you know. But I really am going to take the first up to the first buoy, just mm-hmm. kind of getting in a rhythm. Yeah. Because I'm not, I, this isn't so much a race in the sense of I'm really trying to, trying to break that 140 per hundred, you know, no, it's a 4250. That's a long way. Let's just, let's get in a rhythm. It's a Um, long way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I did a 2750 last week. Um, and I did that right at 46 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I'm, and I felt like I could have done it again. So I, that part's there. Um, the perhaps you could give me a tip on it's a full sleeve wetsuit mm-hmm. and so there's going to be binding as your arm comes over it's like pulling on the wetsuit 10,000 mm-hmm. times right yeah. that's shoulder fatigue yeah. um uh, there's just no way to predict how that's going to go like is right. my sh- you know all of a sudden my shoulders are burning and it's a different cuz i haven't practiced in a wetsuit you know yeah, a little since bit. the last race so um, if your shoulder starts to burn, do you what? You switch over to breaststroke for a couple minutes and give it a break. What do you do? You, or you just you suck do what that it lady up, was it. doing and do some backstroke. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Uh, so when you put on that wetsuit, make sure to pull it up and try to give yourself a wedgie as hard as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. To, and that'll give you lots more room in the shoulders. Okay. And then when uh, you could even, are you going to put lube around your neck? I am looking everywhere for my tube of skin sake. I uh-huh. can't find it anywhere. And yeah. where I live, there's no uh, there's no Vaseline or anything like that? Yeah, I, I'll probably do that. Yeah. Especially around the neck. And I'm going to put some you know, behind the shoulder. Uh-huh. It's hard to see. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in the armpit, but in the back. That's yeah. where I get chafing. Well, I'm saying maybe put some all over the tops of your shoulders so it's nice and luby in there. So that'll, that'll um, reduce the pull. On your shoulder. Now that petroleum jelly isn't bad for the. the it is bad for is the it? wetsuit. So as soon as you're done, you need to rinse out that wetsuit. Salt okay. water is bad for wetsuits too. It's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always. 
when I was when I lived at the beach, I would always or when I'd go diving, I would always rinse would everything take, out. It takes lots of swimming with Vaseline all over your wetsuit to for it to start eating it up. So okay, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, how old I mean, is I do two of yeah, two events a year. So I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, worry about I mean this. It's a really nice one. It's a blue seventy helix suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Um, it's got like um, it's almost like lycra on the forearms mm-hmm. instead of neoprene. Yeah. So you can feel the catch even with the sleeve on. It's yeah. really really cool, yeah. and it's got a split right here. It's two pieces of neoprene mm-hmm. with a split here that stretches a little bit. Oh, so when cool. you're yeah, it's a really great suit. But I only race twice a year, so yeah. I think it's got three races on it so far. Yeah, uh, it's so it's basically new. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be afraid to lube it up. I know the the uh, the big time dudes use Vaseline on theirs, and uh, to, well, they're probably sponsored by Roca. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're swimming, you know, twelve times a year or whatever. Well, well that's true. But yeah. uh, on the uh, on the shoulders burning, the thing with a wetsuit on it, and salt water is you don't need to swim as hard to go as fast. Right. So you can actually not be pulling as hard and you'll be just as fast as you were without it. Right. So that's one thing is you don't need to swim quite as hard as you were in practice. So, True. So, you know, you swim 10% easier and you're still going to go just as fast and there's your uh, shoulder burn right there. It gets rid of it. Okay. Well, I hate I, I hate making predictions or, or setting goals. But here com- here comes one. But here comes one. Um, and the reason is because I don't, I don't want to – when you don't have all the facts, it's difficult to s- predict something, right? Yeah. And so it's – you know, like when you were in Canada, you had no idea that those hills were going to like pound you, you know, the, on the downhills, right? You, mm-hmm. you couldn't have really – so, had another you know, you have to adjust. But, yeah. you know, my previous – like Oceanside, which was a very similar swim, it was, you know, just a, a sheltered cove – with buoys, open water. Um, cause vine man's a totally different story with that river and stuff. But mm-hmm. I did, I did 40 minutes and I'm like, okay, so that was with very minimal training. Maybe now with the training, I can do 120 for a full, you know? And then if I can, you know, jog nine minute pace, I'm mm-hmm. under two hours. You know, that's yeah. just kind of a, but you don't know. Yeah. This is no man's land. It's yeah. like, oh, I think I can run 10 minute miles in my very first Ironman. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. You can't and then if you that. have a uh, really strict time, you know, you're really hoping on times, then you end up going too hard. And in endurance right. events, that's a bad, you right. do better going easier at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm get through the first lap, check my split and say, okay. Now it's all downhill from here. Yeah. Because the run is just kind of like a victory lap. It, I'm not worried about the, yeah. the three mile run. This is your first um, 2.4 mile swim. That's the cool right, thing. Right. That's the goal. Yeah. That is to survive that and come out of the water smiling and tired. You know, I want to yeah. work hard. It's not like I'm just going to, you know, paddle my way through. I do want to actually do my best, but I'm not going to get bowed up if, if I end up with a 130. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's uh, chalk like, and stuff like that. So you just. Yeah. Or. or I get t- more tired. I'm not as trained as I thought I was. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. but I'm not going to get bowed up over the time yeah. at this point. I would. So, either. I bought a new pair of Brooks yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the Ghost Nines. Put mm-hmm. some lace locks in it, the elastic lace locks, so I'm, I don't have to like bother tying shoes with cold, numb yeah. fingers. Um, I just took them out for a two and a half, three mile run. They felt like slippers. So, 
They're, I normally wouldn't. I normally wouldn't wear new shoes this close to an event. Yeah, but, but it's just a three point five. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that I just wore them and they were they were like completely comfortable. I'm yeah. like, okay, we're good. The only thing, obviously, I don't know is there's no way I'm doing socks. <laughs> I'm not willing. I'll, I'll take a blister over a so- over the time off of a socks. Yeah, you might get um, one. You never know. That it might be long enough to give you a blister, but it, won't, it won't be a bad one. Yeah, but I've yeah. I've done some marathon training where I've lost toenails and stuff. I ah, no, you're hardcore. Then. This is the, yeah, yeah. That was when I was I got to qualify for Boston. So yeah, I was Sweet. out there a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, cool, man. I'm excited. You're gonna you're gonna fill us in either tomorrow yeah. or a couple days after how it went. Yeah, I'll have time tomorrow. Um, yeah. Next week's work is pretty busy, so yeah. I'll probably uh, I'll send you a text with my time at the end of it, and uh-huh. then uh, maybe I can get my buddy to drive back, and I can I can talk to you. But if we're gonna do this by Skype, then I definitely want to not be in a car. That's yeah. You know, you're going over a bridge and you lose connection. And, yeah, where you are right now is perfect. Yeah, just that sounds great. Yeah. Got my got my waterfall on the pool going, and yeah. I'm supposed to be painting. So oh. before my wife my wife ran down to the school to get some stuff, and uh, I better have a brush in my hand when she gets back. All right, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So yeah, I mean, I I feel okay. Yeah. I feel okay. I mean, it's it's the unknown, but it's not like I'm going into something that I that I've never done anything similar to, uh-huh. and I know I've done the work. Yeah, and the yeah, rest is fun. just it, that's why they call it race day because yeah. anything can happen. So cool. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see if I'm still smiling tomorrow. I might have a <laughs> might have a bruise right here yeah. and say, "Oh yeah, I got I caught a foot right here." Who knows? Yeah. Hey, one last thing: is there any way to carry backup goggles in a full suit? Um, not I'm trying to think. I've never thought of that before. Yeah, you warm around. Well, if you warm around your neck, they might start rubbing against your neck. Well, not only that, but then they're like, you know, they're fluttering around. Anyway, I was just thinking because, like, um, when I eventually get to do my very first Ironman, uh-huh. I'm not going to streamline my bike to the point that I'm not carrying a patch kit and an extra tube. I'm not giving up an entire day because I wanted to not carry an extra tube or something yeah. like that. So, you carry so an extra pair of goggles. Yeah, I was just thinking because I got two pair, but I don't think they're going to get knocked off my face. You know what you should do is. Um, you know, take an extra pair of goggles with you swimming sometime with your wetsuit and try different places, like in front of your chest, yeah, uh, behind your back. Um, you really can't do your sleeve or your or your leg. No, you could do in your ankle, but getting them out, you got to think about that. If you need them, to get them oh, out. Yes, putting them in on land is different than getting them out when you're floating in the middle yeah, of the bay. Getting something so. off of your calf, you know, to right. put your head underwater to go get them, pull them out is kind of tough. Yeah, well, so. not for tomorrow. No. That's that's one other tweak yeah. that I'm just yeah I was just thinking I didn't know what people do like when you were doing um, the swim across Tahoe mm-hmm. if you had if these were just fogging up or you hate them you just you call over to who was it Morgan was with you or yeah you know what now that yeah, I think you, about it I don't think I had a backup pair of goggles that's oh, I geez. just realized that that was pretty dumb <laughs> <laughs> and you had a boat right there to hand them to you if you needed to yeah I think I brought two pair of goggles, you know, on the trip, but I don't think I brought right. an extra pair. But before every race, um, because I only race a few times a year, like like what you're doing, um, I buy a new pair of goggles. So my goggles are brand new right before I swim. Right. And I, right. I swim with them for about a week or two to kind of get the fit right. And then, right. and so 
uh, the days of me breaking goggles, you know, during the swim are pretty much gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah. I just buy new ones. New ones. And well, I use those uh, some nice goggles now. Well, I use the Tear Remix Customs because I mm. like the funky colors. Yeah. And they come, and each set comes with a set of either clear or blue, and then one set of reflective. Yeah. And so I haven't. I bought a new pair, but I haven't had any open water events. So I had a pair of reflective ones with you know the sunglass type. Mm-hmm. Um, they still had the stickers on the front, so they're <laughs> brand new. Yeah. So I popped them in the frame. I'm good to go. Yeah. So no no fogging. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. All yeah. right. I'm You're off good? to grab a paintbrush. All I, right, man. I am ready. I, I'm at I am at peace gonna, with whatever comes my way. You're gonna wax on, wax off with the paintbrush, remember? <laughs> yes, I'll see if I can catch as much of the paint as I can. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be fine. All right, man. I dig it. I'll talk to you on Sunday. Okay, later. Bye. Later. All right, thanks, man. And since we recorded that, he actually did the race and did uh, really well and was really happy with himself. And we've talked by email. We've talked about recording another show. But like I said, I'm trying to do so many things at once that we actually haven't been able to line up a time to um, record a post-race interview. But trust me, he said it went really great. And I'm really excited that uh, my advice uh, helped him. But he's the one that actually did the work. So we need to congratulate him. And let's see. uh, Do I mention Salt Stick? In the, uh, in the race of Salt Stick as a sponsor of the show. And they, uh, oh, we got a 25% off discount code with them, ZimTry25. So on today's bike ride, I do two Salt Stick capsules per hour. You can kind of learn to see how much you need yourself. The capsules are super portable. Sometimes they have a device that's like a dispenser, kind of like a Pez stick kind of thing, but except you twist it. And a lot of pros use that because it's pretty convenient. And then, uh, or I like to put them in a little Ziploc baggie. I don't know why, but that's what I use. And I uh, put some water in my mouth, put a salt stick capsule in my mouth, chew it up, get it all, my mouth, break it apart, get it all salty, and then spit it back into my water bottle. And then now the whole bottle is kind of salty. And um, and then it's just easier on my stomach to like kind of drink it over half an hour instead of like all at once with a pill. And uh, that's how I end up using it. But they have a whole bunch of different stuff. And you can go to um, you can go to their website and find out. Uh, well, they have a store locator at saltstick.com. But if you're in the United States, you can get 25% off with discount code ZENTRY25. And let's see, it's like shop. Yeah, shopsaltstick.com. Go check it out. And um, ever since they contacted me, and I remember when they emailed me, and they go, hey, we're interested in sponsoring your shows. Do you want to, are you interested? And I said, please, thank God. <laughs> I need an electrolyte sponsor because I drink so much water here in Texas, and I do not know what I'm doing. I'm getting dehydrated. I'm uh, just yeah, stomach hurts because I'm not drinking enough water. And so I need more water, but I don't want to drink all this water without having some electrolytes in it. And, uh, an electrolyte sponsor is a huge for me. And salt stick is the real deal. They're one of the biggest or the biggest one in the game. They really know what they're doing. And, um, your water won't stick without salt stick. If you just drink just straight water without any electrolytes in it, it just runs right through you. You end up peeing it out because it doesn't want to hang around. 
you know this thing where like uh, people eat too much sodium in their diet where they end up getting kind of like uh, they carry extra water weight from all the sodium and their like feet will swell up and stuff like that it's because uh, electrolytes and sodium helps water stay in your body so that your body can actually use it so if you just drink water without any any of that stuff in it well, just like I said, it just runs right through you, and this is super convenient. Like I said, just do a capsule and put it in my water. You can do it ahead of time if you want. You can mix it with your fuel. Um, it just you just add it, and it just works. It's awesome, and yeah, twenty five percent off. That's really cool of them to do that. So I'm very excited to have them on the show and uh, as a sponsor. And I love sponsors that reach out to me. I think all of our sponsors on Zentry are people that have reached out to us and want to be part of the show. Not me going around shopping for somebody and then a sponsor that's not into it. Um, these uh, these sponsors that we talk about, they want they're like you, and they want they listen to the show and they want to uh, help you out and make sure, like I do. Like, why do I do podcasts? I want to, everybody to be doing in there in sports because it's so much fun, and so they want to make your life a whole lot better too. All right, so that's Salt Stick. Again, shopsaltstick.com, 25% off, and uh, they got a whole bunch of different stuff. You can go check it out, different ways to get in your electrolytes. And let's see, we got a little bit of audio um, that I recorded recently after, I think it's after a bike ride and also after a camp out which, uh, with the Boy Scouts. We managed not to die out there in the woods. Um, if you go look at the About Brett on uh, zentrathlon.com, you'll see that I'm, I'm an Eagle Scout, actually, and did wilderness survival camping. And uh, I've hiked all kinds of crazy trails with big backpacks for weeks at a time. And uh, uh, I love, love, love going out and doing the wilderness stuff. And kind of when I go on a bike ride, I actually like riding by myself. My three-hour bike ride today was totally by myself out in the, in the woods and um, in the fields and river bottoms. And I saw a deer and all kinds of crazy creatures out there. And I love it. I love being self-supportive out there. Oh, I do these Ironmans, you know, my self-supported Ironmans. I do them on my own because um, I, uh, I just love the feeling of being able to take care of myself, kind of like a survivalist out there, you know. And uh, it just makes you feel really good that you went on a bike ride and, and handled all your own crap. <laughs> so uh, we, we talk a little bit about that. So let's go ahead and get into the uh, audio. And um, that'll be the last part of the show. And, of course, next show, oh, my gosh, Kona's coming this next weekend. So we're going to see these bikes that I talked about at the beginning of the show, this uh, Diamondback and a Cervelo. And I also saw that there was a spy shot of the new BMC uh, out there. Um, all these bikes are going to be on, uh, on display, people riding them. All the hype and everything. So I expect a lot more of that next episode. All right, here we go with the training log. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, we are here at the Kids Triathlon in Moody Gardens, Galveston, Texas. It's uh, quite a scene. It's a pirate-themed, like a treasure island kind of themed race. It's all kids. It's kind of, it's really popular and really um, full. Hundreds of kids, but... Um, I know our kids' team and a lot of other kids aren't taking it all that seriously. It's more like a fun race. And uh, 
It's uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm out on the uh, bike course, uh, right where the bikes are, right after, uh, about 100 yards after they mount, and also the bike out is the bike in, so I'm watching kids come in. Kai, my 11-year-old son, is out on the uh, bike course right now. Actually, he should be coming by any minute, so we might get me cheering for him. It's a 200-yard uh, swim in a lazy river at a water park, which is super cool. Um, I never got to do that as a kid. That would be a lot of fun. And uh, the, uh, the bike is either four or six miles. I thought it was six, but it turns out it might be four. And the, um, the run is two miles, I believe. And it's pretty flat around here. It's actually a really pretty day. Um, uh, we're a little worried yesterday it was going to be raining, but it turns out today's nice weather. It's not too hot. It's going to get hot, but we're nice and early. And the uh, the race is on the grounds, mostly. I think the bike kind of goes off the grounds, maybe, uh, of the hotel, of it, the whole thing. The hotel has a water park, everything. So you can stay at the Moody Gardens Hotel and walk right down. You can eat dinner at the hotel and then... Uh, the next morning, get up and walk right down to the uh, race transition area, which as soon as we walked outside of the doors of the hotel, you could hear the announcements from the transition area, and it was a two, 300-yard walk to that. So if you live in the uh, Houston, Galveston, uh, Central Texas, Southeast Texas area, it might be a race that you want to come do. It seems really well, well run and all that stuff. And uh, something we're noting is how many kids... Let's go Colin! Yeah! That's Kai's main competition, Colin. Colin's um, smaller. He's like shorter and thinner and driven to train. He does his own training routine at night, as Dad said. It's really funny. And uh, like push-ups, pull-ups, and all that stuff. So Kai's always trying to play catch-up with Colin. and Because uh, Kai's a normal, average kid where he, you're like, if you want him to train, you kind of got to make him for 11 years old. And, uh, and is taller, so he's carrying more weight. And uh, so he's a little bit slower. For now. You never know. And uh, and Colin is also just exceptional, anyway. Uh, yeah, but anyway, back to the pedals. Um, we've noticed, I'm also by bad luck, I'm wearing the same color shirt and similar looking to uh, the race staff, so people keep coming up and asking me questions. And the questions seem to be a lot about pedals. Um, hey, that kid's got clipless pedals. Should my kid have clipless pedals? Uh, a lot of flat pedals. Um, and in fact, I'd say it's 95% flat pedals, and that's fine. Um, because uh, two pairs of shoes and stuff like that has a lot to do with. Kai's wearing clipless pedals because he likes it. I was telling this one mom that was asking me, she took me over to her bike, her kid's bike, and was showing me their pedal setup and stuff. And is this right? Am I doing it right? And uh, it's like, well, for kids and also for adults, it's uh, whatever whatever you like doing in triathlon to get you into it. Um, and then after a couple of years, you'll you uh, could switch and maybe you know do clipless if you like them. But like, there's some kids. That's um, they want to do the clipless pedal so bad that uh, even though it's not going to really do any make them any better, I say go ahead and let them do it. 
because then they're happy and they they feel cool with clipless pedals. So the uh, I'm just kind of watching kids go by. I guess I'll stay on the mic until Kai comes by. Here comes a golf cart. Now Kai has been swimming with me before work. He's only done it three times, but before school, before work, um, I go swim, and then he goes with me. He wanted to do this, and uh, then I take him and. When we're done, I drop him off at school, and then I drive to work because it's all within a few miles of each other. And it cuts into my swim time, but I'm totally into it. And it, uh, is this Kai? Here he comes. Go, Kai! Go, Kai! Woo! He's already out of his, um, out of his shoes, and he's doing the flying dismount, and he's going... But the first time I left Kai, the um, the first time I went to go swim, where he was supposed to go swim with me, he was still asleep. So I just kind of went and didn't uh, pull him, didn't make him get up to go with me. And then I heard about it the rest of the day. He was so mad, and uh, and I was like, "Wow, he really wanted to go do it. You know, get up at freaking five thirty in the morning to go swim." Okay. So uh, two days later, when I went to go swim, I uh, I uh, woke him up got him going and we went and swam we only swam for half an hour because it's kind of late you know it's like first time you're always slower you know figuring out all the gear and stuff and he ate breakfast he ate a snack on the way there peanut butter and jelly like half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then he ate a breakfast burrito on the way back to school and when we were done and then later that day I asked him how he was doing he said great and I was like alright another uh, let's say that was a Wednesday. I said, you want to do it again on Friday? And he goes, yep. I go, all right. So Friday we swam about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And then the last time we went, we swam over, we swam about 50 minutes, 5-0. So we're slowly increasing the time. And um, every other day, uh, swimming uh, before school, which is uh, uh it's pretty amazing, man. And he's in there with adults and stuff, and there's not a ton of people. And he and I share a lane. And I, um, we kind of do the same workout, and then I'll stop him, but not too much. I don't want to stop him too much because I want him to have fun. I'll just go, hey, the way your hand's entering, make it more level like this. And then and I go, stay still and watch me swim by you and watch how my hand enters. And he, and he will. And then, then he tries to pick it up a little bit. And then so, like, maybe over... 45 minutes, I stop him only like three times and say, okay, do this. Okay, now do this. And then at the end of every swim practice, I race him across the pool. We do a 25-yard uh, sprint, and I'm letting him win right now. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's taken me a lot of work. So uh, I can imagine in a, a few more years, I'm going to be, uh, he's going to be letting me win on occasion. And yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So um, we're going to get off the mic here. And he's going to finish his race. And um, I'm going to get around to asking him uh, if the swimming we're doing actually paid off, if he felt like it was he was a better swimmer for it. And then uh, these water park races, you get a free pass to the water park for the rest of the day. At least that's how they've done it the past two or three I've been to, uh, which is really cool. There's a kid on a javelin. It's pretty sweet. All right. So we might be hanging around here and uh, doing some water park stuff. And, uh, slides. I've got a water park bracelet on right now. So, all right. Be back in a minute. Bye.
All right. Man, we need to start wrapping up the show here. Got to get a podcast out. I've had a lot of cool things happen lately I thought I'd bring to y'all. I am driving to uh, Waco, Texas, outside of Waco. I'm on my way to my my son's uh, Boy Scout troop camp out. And uh, it's a beautiful day out across the countryside if you're inside looking out a window. But outside, the heat index, that's uh, the heat plus humidity, is 108 degrees. And it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And I uh, went for a long bike ride this morning, got up early, and then uh, also did the same thing last week. And then uh, I think the week before, I'm trying to remember, I did the same thing. Anyways, I've been calibrating my uh, water intake and sodium uh, electrolytes, which we'll get to salt stick in a second because that really helped. And the, uh, man, you wouldn't believe how much water I drank. So a few weeks ago, I uh, did a bike ride in the heat, three hours, finished, and I'd lost five pounds. And... No, I think seven pounds. Anyways, I was starting to feel pretty crappy. And the rest of the day, I felt like crap. I was all over the place. like couldn't focus and everything. I had a nasty headache. And it was kind of a mess. And the thing about weighing yourself beforehand and then weighing yourself after is really handy because you can um, up your intake of water. Over here on the right, I'm passing the uh, beer store that my friends and I used to stop at in college. <laughs> I'm driving, driving on the way to Dallas. Just passed it. Wow. And then um, I, uh, I was like, man, how much more water do I need to drink? You know. So I, I figured out, uh, you know, five pounds is so many ounces. Blah blah blah. And you know, did some math. This is why you take math as a kid. You're always like, why am I... I'm never going to use this when I grow up. No, you will use math a lot. <laughs> and I figured out that... I figured out how much more five pounds of water was. And so I upped my intake of water, trying to match it uh, the next the next ride. And I pretty much did. And I finished... The next week, I finished the ride... Um, exactly the same way as when I started. So I was successful. And a trick that I used, um, because you got different water bottles and they're kind of all over the place, you're not really sure what's going on. The, uh, the trick that I used is I have a torpedo bottle made by X-Lab on the front of my bike. And it's, a, um, it's, it's about 22 ounces. But... What I was doing before was draining that every half hour. I was trying to finish it every half hour, and I was still five pounds down after three hours. And I'm talking, dude, it's crazy hot here. Y'all would not believe it. And this is Texas. You know, it's the middle of Texas in the summer, in August, uh, July and August. So I guess you would believe it. Uh, now we're getting to September. But I, uh, it's still just as hot. <laughs> it doesn't cool off in Texas until about end of October, you might start getting some cooler days, might get a few cooler days, and the, uh, the thing about having a measured container and drinking from it, and only from it, on a regular scheduled interval, 
is really nice because now you can measure fluid, right, as it's going in. And so 22 ounces, well, every, every finish that X-Lab torpedo bottle every half hour. And you're probably thinking, oh my God, that's an insane, insane amount of liquid. And yes, it is. That's 44 ounces per hour. And the, uh, the, at least, and then the crazy thing is, is that wasn't enough. So I, uh, did a little bit more math and kind of figured out and came up with a strategy of draining that thing every 25 minutes. So by the, by 50 minutes in, I've drained it twice. And then, uh, you know, by an hour and four minutes, hour and 40 minutes, I've drained it twice again. So every 50 minutes, five zero, I've drained it twice. And that is a crap ton of water. And I went out, uh, today and did a bike ride and felt a lot better. It was actually, um, uh, feeling pretty good the entire time. And the, uh, one of the other secrets was using a uh, salt stick in it and salt stick capsules. So in my fuel bottle, I made a three hour fuel bottle. I blended it up and then I, um, added, this is really interesting. Uh, what did I, uh, a tablespoon. Well, I did 200 calories of maltodextrin powder. Like Carbo Pro, it's basically the same thing. And I did uh, 200 calories of that per hour, and one scoop is 100 calories, so I was, you know, six scoops, maltodextrin powder in there, and then I did a tablespoon of MCT oil, and then two capsules of salt stick uh, per hour, and just one tablespoon. Uh, of MCT oil for the entire uh, three-hour ride, by the way. MCT oil made from coconut. And then I did... um, For caffeine, I have green tea capsules. Green green tea is a nice little uh, pick-me-up. It's also anti-inflammatory, and uh, it's just really good all the way around. And nature's... I don't think... Nature's Bounty is the brand. And I looked it up, and uh, two capsules is 65 milligrams of caffeine. And I wanted to go for 100 milligrams of caffeine for the whole ride. So I did three capsules total in this water bottle. Shook it up. It's plenty liquidy. It's nice and happy. Um, But there's a little bit of a problem uh, with MCT oil is that oil wants to go to the top. And I did not make this stuff in a blender. And I probably should have made it in a blender to really grind it up so that the oil um, really blended with the uh, electrolytes and the, you know, uh, uh, maltodextrin powder and the, what was it, the green tea uh, capsule, capsulized powder. I broke each, all this, anything that was in a capsule, I broke it open and, uh, shook it out into the uh, stuff. And um, I made a note. Oh, by the way, Dynalist. I got to talk about Dynalist. I made a note the uh, after this morning's ride that um, probably next week I'm going to try it without MCT oil at all because MCT oil, it's an oil, so it rises to the top 
after a while, apparently. And I think I got a glug of that, just straight oil. And that is not what you want two hours into a three-hour bike ride when it's almost 100 degrees outside. It was a little bit cooler this morning than 108, but not much. And it's probably low 90s. And the um, I felt odd, and I felt like I'd eaten something gross. And it was that uh, MCT oil. I know they make powdered MCT oil and all that stuff. But I'm going to probably try it without it. Um, there's The science says that all you need is you know, your breakfast or your coffee to have some MCT oil in it, and that kicks off your fat burn. You don't really need it in your fuel. And, um, Dynalist. Oh, well, um, the other thing about MCT oil is I've been using it lately to, to, uh, lube my chain. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm eating it. Uh, coconut oil, if you ever get bite grease on your hands, uh, Kai... Or Emily, I forgot which one. Oh, and we've been mountain biking recently. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, uh, got bike grease on his hands, and or her hands. I don't remember who it was. This was a few weeks ago. And just a lot of it. It was real dark. Couldn't get it off. And Emily was asking me what she could do to get it off. And I said, um, oh, coconut oil will take it off. It's crazy. Coconut oil is a solvent. It'll tear apart bike grease um and when you lube your chain so oh you rub some get some mct oil you get at the grocery store and you can uh like wash your hands with it first and watch that grease come off it's really crazy way better than anything else i've ever seen well bike chain lube is both a solvent and a lube at the same time when you put on bike chain uh lube it it kind of breaks apart the old lube, and that's why you put on just a little bit of lube, and then you spin the chain around, 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 and that kind of gets it breaking up stuff. And um, for a classic lube, I use uh, oh, what's that? Rock and Roll Gold is a really good one, a petroleum wax lube, I think, and that's like one of the best. But I've been trying uh, coconut oil lately, and it's uh, it's crazy. It definitely penetrates the chain and it breaks apart the uh, old lube and then when you uh, take a paper towel or whatever you want to use and um, wipe the wipe it off to clean up your chain man your chain is sparkly it's also kind of black like it like it seems to be collecting grease uh, but anyway it's kind of a long-term test i'm going to try it i kind of like it that it's mct oil uh, it's kind of funny it's made from coconut I could light it on fire or something like that. would be pretty neat. But the um, I'm going to try next week without any oil and kind of see how that goes. But I'm really excited that with um, measuring the water and upping the uh, sodium intake and also being able to measure the, the electrolyte sodium intake with salt stick that I know exactly my numbers for a hot day to finish a three-hour ride feeling pretty freaking good. And it ends up being 1.7 liters of water per hour is what I drink <laughs> to uh, finish that ride feeling pretty strong. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I was not doing anywhere near that uh, up until uh, yesterday. And you think it's hard to swallow that amount of water while you're riding, but then uh, you just force yourself to do it. It's like a big gulp every five minutes. 
Uh, but if it's hot enough, it's actually not that bad. But the thing is, is water, that amount of water will mess you up unless you've got electrolytes in it. It'll uh, give you hyponeutremia. So um, you got to dive into some electrolytes. And I love the salt stick stuff. going to give them a little plug right here. Uh, salt stick capsules because you can, they've got a little dispenser that you can twist out uh, the capsules or they have, um, uh, I, I can put the capsules in a little Ziploc baggie and also I can uh, put the capsules, what did I do today? Oh, I twisted them apart and then uh, shook out the, uh, the electrolytes into, um, into my uh, fuel bottle and mixed it all up. And I keep wanting to say salt, but it's actually electrolytes. Uh, salt stick is a whole bunch of different electrolytes, not just sodium. So you can check it out at salt stick, shop salt, shop salt stick.com. <laughs> and um, there's, a, there's a store locator on their website. There's saltstick.com and then shop salt stick.com. And um, in the United States, you can use a discount code. Zentry25 and you get 25% off. Try all caps. I don't know if it's case sensitive. It might be. 25% off of salt stick and then you're using what I'm using and the stuff works. I might, because I up my water, I might up my uh, sodium one more capsule. Uh, maybe like half a capsule per hour. You know, it's really cool when you do a concentrated bottle, but you got to be careful. You uh, squeeze a little bit of the concentrate in your mouth and before you swallow it, put that bottle back in your bottle cage and then take a big sip of water uh, with the concentrate in your mouth and swish it around and then that'll dilute it. And then you will have um, much better diluted uh, fuel so it doesn't hurt your stomach. And let's see, on top of that, oh, I'm still riding with my flat pedals. <laughs> and it's fun, man. It's absolutely fun. I'm so used to them now. I don't know if I'm going to go back. Probably will. But it's still pretty cool. I need to put those... Uh, they're Harrier VPs. I need to put them on my mountain bike, man. Those pedals rock. And the, uh, the crazy thing is... Uh, a thing I figured out was... I don't like riding with other people. Because uh, it's not a good environment to train for uh, non-draft triathlons. And... The uh, local cycling club around here is really big, really active, really great. Uh, I've been a member off and on for years, you know, and I, I hang out with them. and I, I know most of them, and, or I don't know most of them anymore. Uh, but it's, great. it's a great group. But I don't really like to ride with them because they stop all the time. Because they're, they're, pretty, they, uh, they're more like roadies where it's bursts of speed and then they stop. And they talk about their last burst of speed and, like... I think over half, half my ride, half the, half the 60 mile, a three hour ride that I'll do, they'll stop one time, two times, at least three times just for half my ride. So let's say they stop six times, you know, and I stop once to pee and once to refill water and I make it as fast as I can. And uh, I don't know. It, I've never been a member of other big cycling groups. I don't know if other groups are like this. Somebody tell me if they stop all the time too. You know, they get to a gas station, they stop and walk around and do all this other stuff. And uh, I found that I didn't get better at doing triathlons until I quit stopping all the time, right? 
So I don't really like riding. I like the people, and I like I love cycling, and I love what they're doing. I just don't like doing it so much for my uh, particular training. Um, but what I found out is something cool, a psychological trick, um, is I like starting off with them at the same time or um, right around the same time and catching up to them. I think it's really neat. And they, they start off their rides really, really early. And that gets me motivated to uh, get up and out and riding with them. And that's pretty cool. So this morning I found myself heading out the door earlier than I... The past two, two weeks, I found myself uh, heading out the door earlier than I would have because I'm uh, trying to um, be social and see them. Uh, on my ride and it's pretty cool and then <laughs> what's really funny is I'm on a tri bike and some of them are too you know um, but I'm a I'm like you know competitive you know long distance triathlete so um, and I'm loaded down with water and all this other stuff so I don't need to stop all that much but I'll I'll uh, I'll pass them <laughs> uh, you know it's gradually but it's so funny like it drives some of them crazy and they'll pass me back like once or twice on a hill or something like that because I know from long distance stuff to um, not go up the hills too hard you gotta just pace yourself up the hill and you have to swallow your ego man you have to let you have to let the group go don't try to don't try to keep up with them because you'll blow up and um, so an example was today uh, I passed I passed them on a flat that ended up going downhill and then it's this big downhill and then a big uphill. Um, and then they passed me back going uphill, hammering, standing and climbing, you know, uh, going past me and almost looking like they were just angry that they got passed because it was the leaders of that group. You know, it's like 20-something people. Uh, and, <laughs> and, they, um, and then at the top of the... Uh, well kind of like the bottom of the next long gradual descent I caught them again and passed them and then they stopped (laughs) to talk with each other or I don't know whatever they're doing but uh, I was uh, but I really enjoy like uh, seeing them out there and it gets me out of bed uh, uh, to go ride and I got friends in that group and I say hi when I ride with them a little bit you know so um, if uh, you're looking for a motivator to get up and riding early, uh, find your local bike club and uh, at least start off with them, right? Even if you don't want to ride with them all the time, start off with them. Uh, That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, so Dynalist is uh, this new website, dynalist.io, D-Y-N-A, Dyna, like Dynamo, uh, dynalist.io, and it's a... um, it's a it's a website where you can create bulleted lists of stuff, and you can move bullets up, down, left, right, and you can create checklists within the same bullets, and you do all this crazy stuff. And so what I've done is I've made like it's like a twenty, I wouldn't say it's thirty, it's probably a twenty item list of stuff I need to do pretty much every day. And then um, oh, it's got dates in it too. It's really cool. And then it's so fast and so easy 
the problem with a lot of to-do lists is you got to create an item and then you got to do this and you got to do that and then you got to save it. Now, the, now this is just like it's just like creating a a um, a bulleted list in like a word document. And then it's accessible on your phone, on your on your work computer, on your home computer. It's all the same list. It's pretty cool. Um, and you can move things up, down, whatever. It's got a folder structure on the side, and then it's got an awesome search function. So I'm using it every day. I make a copy of that of that uh, template of a schedule, and then I I re- I paste it, and then I make a new I title it today and give it today's date. And then I try to go through it, and then I have a list that I can drag and drop, kind of move things in there as I'm doing it. And it is so cool. I really encourage everybody to go check out check out Dynalist. It is really neat. Oh, and I found out on um, Apple iOS 10 when you upgrade to that, if you've got that, if you've got an Apple phone, the uh, the Notes pad. You know, like if you want to make a note. It's actually shareable now. If you make a note list or whatever you want to do, you can share it with another person. Great way to uh, make a grocery list and then share it with somebody else. Because I'll go to the grocery store. Emily will go to the grocery store. And it's so cool to just um, look on a list. And, uh, you know, Emily's going to the grocery store and I'm at home. And she's, like, on her way. She's like, hey, I'll go to the grocery store right now or else it's going to get really crowded. I'm like, okay, I'll... I'll update the list as you're driving, you know, and I'll go through the pantry and I'll be adding stuff to the list. And, it, and uh, then when she gets to the grocery store, it's already there. And you can even take photos and stuff. I'm like, which raisin brand do you want? I'm like, this one right here. And put a paste a photo in there. And uh, so that's an iOS 10. You can now share a list, uh, which is really handy. It's kind of just baked into the uh, stuff. And then uh, let's see that. Apple Watch, waterproof, doesn't have enough battery life for triathlon stuff, really. But um, I guess I should wrap it up with uh, Sunto. I got the Sunto Spartan Ultra, which is their super, super long distance um, new watch, and I'm digging it. It's uh, it's touchscreen, and it's an o. I think it's an OLED screen. It's touchscreen, got crazy ass battery life on it, and uh, what's what's kind of both wacky and kind of cool is I got the first release of it so they're still updating the uh, software on it <laughs> and uh, so the, it, does, it doesn't do everything just yet but it's okay because it's coming it's really cool um, and I was uh, I've been swimming and biking and running with it and letting Kai wear my Garmin 920 and um, oh man I heard something crazy that makes me mad uh, I'll get to that in a second and the um uh, anyway, I'm really, really digging it. The uh, Sunto Spartan. And uh, Sunto's huge in Europe. And, uh, man, I wish they would make a bike computer. That would be really, really cool. Then you could have the whole ecosystem. Um, it's Bluetooth only. And I have... My power meter is Ant. So I, uh, I've got a PowerTap power meter uh, hub. And I don't have both Ant and Bluetooth. And I've got my Garmin... 510 uh, bike computer in front of me and I need that it's a big screen that mounts right uh, between my hands I'm not going to give that up <laughs> I'd give it up if Suto made a cool bike computer and Garmin only does Ant so I'm going to have to eventually get a bike computer that does both because uh, the Suto won't pick up the power meter um, or a um, 
you have to get yeah power meter that does both because uh, both Ant and Bluetooth. But uh, I was doing some research on like oh you know if I because my power meter is really old so if I upgrade my power meter, um, what what um, power meter should I get? So I was looking around. And it is really difficult to find the right power meter. I've got a Shimano Ultegra crank that's a four-arm... It's the new four-arm Spider. And none of these power meter companies are coming out with with, with that. Uh, it looks like Power 2 Max, the number two Power 2 Max, might uh, soon. But then it looks really expensive. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. And then I was looking at the, the power tap pedals... I just like power tap because it's just the most simple, easiest stuff. You know, there's almost no calibration uh, on any of their things. It just works. That's so great. And um, I found out this crazy detail that with the Garmin 920 XT uh, watch, um, there there was firmware version 2 then then they updated it to firmware version 3 and then they've updated it to firmware version 5 I don't even think they went to 4 they went right to 5 and um, because Garmin makes their own power meter pedals they removed the option to put in your crank length uh, if you're using other power meter pedals and crank length affects your power reading by percentages you know, 2%, 5%, 10%, I don't know, whatever it is. But unless you happen to have crank arms that are 172.5 millimeters long, your power meter readings off the off the uh, power tap pedals are going to be wrong. And uh, if you if you want to but the the only it used to be it used to be able to go in and put specify the length of your cranks. If you had uh, with version two, you could do it with with all the pedals. Well, now they're on version five, and Garmin is only allowing the uh, for you to put in crank arm length if you have Garmin's pedals. They removed the ability for you to to do that with um, with other pedals. And there's like several other companies making uh, power meter pedals. And yeah, they got the right to do that, but man, that's just like man, kind of like come on, guys, you know? It's kind of underhanded, I think. They should put that back in because I was like, oh man, I could buy some power tap pedals. That would be really cool. Power tap pedals now they have a left-sided option only, and then you can later upgrade to right-hand side. And on Power Tap's website, it said unless you have 172.5 crank arms, you're gonna have to. Re- downgrade your software your firmware on your um, on your Garmin back to version 2 that, well there's all these other improvements that happen you know when you go up to version 5 why would you want to go back to version 2 and and uh, if you don't like it well here's a link to call to email Garmin support and, or call them and complain I guess and it's just like oh man I was like that would have been really cool those power tap pedals they're rated like really really great and uh that's kind of where i'm at with that all right well i guess that wraps up the show i'm gonna push a show out here i'm getting in some kind of crazy uh intersection here and i gotta cook dinner at this camp out tonight emily emily's um 
she's done plenty of camping-ish sort of stuff, but I've done like lots of primitive camping. She's like, what do we cook for dinner? Like Mexican food, piece of cake, rice, beans, and uh, whatever you want, you know, hot sauce, sprinkle, and uh, fajita meat, and tortillas. And you've got actually a pretty cool meal. And she said, um, okay, so this was yesterday. She said, okay, I got to... I gotta get home early so I can cook it all so we can bring it. And I go, no, you cook it there. She goes, that'll take forever. Oh, you get minute rice, you just warm up the beans, you fry the meat in a frying pan or grill it over the fire. You're done in like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's so easy. And uh, so Emily was like, oh yeah, I guess so. So uh, I'm on my way there right now and I'm gonna be the one cooking it to uh, show her. And then also the... Um, I'm presenting the uh, boys. Uh, I talked to the scout ma- ma- <clears throat> scoutmaster about it, the head adult, and he thought it was so cool. My boy scout troop growing up had um, a, an award called the Golden Spoon, and whoever cooked the best meal, they go ahead, before you go on the camp out, you decide which meal is going to be your uh, fancy meal. And this gets kids cooking way better crap. Like this one kid was like, what about Pop-Tarts? You know, it's like, no. Dude, camping, it's rough out there, man. With just a little bit of effort, you can make... Well, not even effort, just thinking. You can make some kick-ass meals. Um, so it's a wooden spoon that's that's painted gold. And whoever cooks the best dessert or the best meal... It kind of varies. Um, and the adults judge it, right? So the adults get a free dessert out of it. It's the biggest con ever. <laughs> um, the, that, that patrol, because the Boy Scout troop is broken up into patrols, gets the golden spoon. And uh, Emily went and bought the wooden spoon, and I've spray painted it gold and put a leather lanyard on it. And uh, we're going to give it away tonight to, with uh, whatever the kids cook. And I'm not going to be uh, expecting too much tonight, but it turns into a war with these kids. And, and the Boy Scout troop I was in, we had like three course meals, four course meals, <laughs> uh, like primitive backpack camping out in the middle of nowhere, all to win that golden spoon. It was really cool. And then you have the golden spoon. Um, hanging from your patrol flag until the next camp out. And they usually camp out once a month. So all the, all the troop meetings once a week, you have the golden spoon. And uh, so it's like a pride thing. Like you're the most awesome chefs out there. So it's pretty cool. All right, I need to get off the mic. I got lots of stuff to do. Everybody stay safe out there. Uh, work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. Oh, yeah.